Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, as always, is my... Wow, a little loud. It's good. Uh, I, I think it's really good. I, uh, see, we just got to get the music in. Got to let everyone hear the music. It's it's loud. I couldn't hear myself over the music. Really? I can hear it's, you. Well, I couldn't. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Good start. We've been doing this for two years, man. We got to... Yeah. We gotta reel this. In. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm we, just, we gotta reel it in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is Zach. He's my extraordinarily talented co-host. Um, welcome, welcome to the Bat Around. Thanks for tuning in again on another Saturday of no baseball because we can't get the CBA thing going Ugh. on here. It's it's just turn yourself down, man. You're super loud. I am loud. Um, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. Uh, make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, just throws the live. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Look, last Thursday, Major League Baseball came out. Rob Manfred came out and he said, We've got a good proposal. We've got a good faith proposal. And we're like, all right, maybe, maybe. they've got something. We know a deal's not getting done, but mm-hmm. maybe they've got something that can get the, the, the ball rolling here. Mm-hmm. Nope. They go out on Saturday after the show's over, and the proposal that that dude makes is that that dude. Like, it's just Rob Manfred. The, the, the proposal that Major League Baseball makes after – the players' union brought their asking price down from on the bonus pool from 105 to 100 million. They go, all right, we'll give you a little bit, 15 million. Generous. Yeah, a good faith proposal, my derriere. Like, get <laughs> get out of here yeah, with that. No, 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 there's no. there's nothing good faith about this on either side. No. And I'm looking at this whole thing as it's a pissing contest. It's uh, who's going to wiggle first? Who's going to bend first? And neither side is willing to do anything. So mm-hmm. now, th- then they're like, okay, we're going to go out on Thursday and we're going to meet. Was it Thursday or was it? It was Thursday. Yeah, we're going to go out on Thursday and we're going to have another another round of negotiations. It lasted 15 minutes. Yep. It lasted 15 minutes. Walk in, walk out. Yeah, basically. And probably five minutes of it is small talk. So uh, 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 apparently there were two litigators, uh, one from each side, stayed that met for tw- that yeah. stayed afterwards for twenty minutes and talked. Right, and now they're saying, "Well, we're going to get together on Monday." There's a real sense of urgency now. Have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy yourselves. But Monday we're getting yeah. after this thing. Yeah, and we're going to meet. We're working hard. We're going to meet. <laughs> we're going to meet daily in between rounds of golf. Yeah. All right. The, the, okay, it's good that they're going to meet daily. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you have to wait till Monday. To do it. Well, there's no reason. There's no reason. Why couldn't you get together yesterday? Pettiness. And today. And tomorrow. And every freaking day until something gets done. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But they don't care about me. They don't care about you. They care no. They care about them. And, and I get it. I, I get it. If you're a professional athlete, you're going to make a lot of money and you want what you do. Sure. And you don't get rich by spending money. So I understand that. Unless you're like a real estate agent, because you gotta spend money to get started. But anyway, uh, that's besides the point. <laughs> um, with the owners, like, I'm not gonna say I get it. With the owners, it's pay your guys. You know what I mean? Just, just pay your guys. Sure. The, this, this bonus pool, John Angelos could go out and he could pay the entirety of the bonus pool, and it would, it would hurt. You know, it would sure. hurt. But he'd bounce back. He'd be fine. One owner, Steve Cohen, could go out. And pay this on his own, and it wouldn't matter yes. to him. Yeah. To him, it wouldn't matter. 
But 30 guys, you can't get on the same page, and you can't. Anyway, we spend so much time talking about this because it's really the only thing going on. The union's proposal on Thursday, they bumped things up from $100 million back up to $115 million. And on the surface, you're like, that you're you're going in the wrong direction, guys. Like, why would they agree now to more money than you ever asked for? But it's because their proposal now they are trying to eliminate arbitration. They were asking for all players with two years of service time to be arbitration eligible. Now they're only asking for super twos mm. um, and players that have three years or more to be arbitration eligible. And super right. twos are guys who have more than two years experience but less than three years experience. And the reason they upped the asking price for the bonus pool to $115 million is because now there'd be less players going to arbitration. So there'd be more players that you'd have to pay from that bonus pool. So instead of playing... the, I, I read an article with Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal. I read um, that it's going from 30 players that would be eligible for that bonus pool money to 150. So when you think of it that way... yeah. You're adding an extra 120 players to that pool. That's why they they asked for an extra 15 million. And apparently, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, it's not a non-starter for Major League Baseball, but they still don't like the number. Right. But of course, they didn't like the number. It's a hundred million dollars more than they were ever willing to give. The, the the fact that they haven't been able to meet common ground on this has it, it just blows my mind. What are we doing here? What are we What are we even doing at this point? It's Unbelievable, and, and you say going in the wrong direction with with the hundred to one hundred fifteen million. I mean, just not smart, really at all. Um, you look at the, them just still being so drastically far apart. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't look like these two sides it's ever want to come to an agreement. It's not a good look. But again, going in the wrong direction is what it looks like on its surface. But there's a reason sure. behind it. There's a re- there's one hundred twenty right. extra players now that you have to pay. It, it right. went from thirty players yeah. to one hundred fifty. So when you know that. But it, it makes a little more sense, but it still doesn't. Well, on paper, people, it doesn't pe- make a lot of sense. People don't want to want to want to dive deep into that. People want to yeah. say, "Well, your first offer was 105 million, then it was 100 million, and now you bumped it up well, to 115." And on the surface, you're just like, "What the hell is that?" Right. Well, I'm not. I'm not really supporting one side or the other by saying that. I'm not saying the union w- was wrong in doing that, or uh, or even that the the owner should have accepted it or anything. I'm not really taking side there. But I just think at this point, the meeting daily is good. Why aren't they doing it now? Why weren't they doing it a month ago? Right. Is really the question we should be asking. If you're excited about the meeting daily, I guess I am too because we have to be at this point. But they should have been doing this months ago. Right. It's it's ridiculous. They basically took, you know, two and a half months off before even starting this negotiation, and then now they're doing it. And it's it's you know every three four days they meet for 15 minutes, have a cup of coffee, and it's like that's about it. Um, and sure, two guys stayed afterwards, but I think it's going to take a lot more than two guys to come together for this the CBA to be to be finalized. So meeting every day is going to be good. But then we have to look into the quality of these meetings. How are they actually going to go? Is there going to be a lot of animosity on both sides? I would assume so. You're going to get guys coming in for 15 minutes again. And if these daily meetings are 15 minutes, it's it's not going to really move the needle much at all, right? It's just going to be over and over again, 15-minute meetings that really mean nothing, and they get nothing done in them. And I think that's kind of concerning at this point. And we've talked about, I said last week on the show, that I really didn't expect the Major League season to be delayed. Now I think we're looking at that inevitably. And that's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. I'm still not there. Okay. I'm still not there. And because of the fact that, again, Evan Drellitz, who's been on this show, and he'll be on the show again, he said in an article, he was comparing it to the NBA lockout from Mm -hmm. uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. And he said, these deals don't get done until the last minute. Yeah. It's basically like you have an entire semester 
to write a 20-page paper, and you wait till the night before to write it. <laughs> yeah. Is basically what's going to happen. And that's why I still have faith. And if they're going to meet every single day and they know what the issues are. But what are the quality of those meetings going to be, right? Well, I just but, but, assume but they're going to be bad. Why waste your time meeting every single day? If the, if the meetings I don't know. aren't getting... And really, the smaller stuff is basically already going to be decided, mm-hmm. right? It's just the, the, the bigger issues like the bonus yeah. pool and the revenue sharing and stuff like yeah. that. Um, there's got to be wiggle room on both sides. Both sides have to be willing to meet in good faith and like actually know what that term means, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it cl- yeah. it's clear that neither side really right. knows what good faith means. Right. I think more the players more so know what it means. And then the, the the proposal that the owners came out with last Saturday was a freaking joke. It, 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 it was a joke. They, they and, and good try- faith, right? And they're trying to make it. And now they've announced that they've canceled all spring training games mm-hmm. through March fourth, mm-hmm. um, and that they have to have a deal done. By February 28th, yeah. if they want the season to start on time. And realistically, no. Like, that's not... That's just the date I feel like they kind of just threw out there. Like, yeah. I, re- I really don't think that's... And the you, Players you, Association, you, I believe, came out and said, that's not actually true. Yeah, and well, and the no, but, and the Players Association came out and they were like, look, Major League Baseball is making you feel like they had no other recourse but to cancel spring right, training right. games. Right, right. And they, and they it, were they like, did. I mean, no... You, we could have still been operating business as usual. Yep. We could be at spring training right now. We could be yeah. preparing for spring games. You decided you wanted to do this, yeah. and you didn't need to. I really think one of the most destructive parts of all of this, and I think it gets overlooked in all these negotiations because people aren't really thinking about it, but I think the the most destructive part is that teams can't even talk to their players right now. Right? That's, right? that's one of the most concerning things for me. Dante Bichette was working for the Blue Jays. He quit his job so he could go work with Bo and help train him and everything. He was working with him. He had to quit because he couldn't talk to him. Couldn't right. talk to his own son. I mean, he could talk to, you know, about baseball, I mean. Um, so it's just, that's concerning. You know, when you talk about player development, especially for a team like the Orioles who are in a rebuild and need all the player development help they can get, stuff like this and putting guys on off-season plans and keeping them healthy and fit – all these things are really important when it comes to an offseason. There's so much that goes into the, the behind the scenes of an offseason that we never see as fans. But yet, it's happening. And it's not happening right now for this offseason. This is the first offseason that hasn't happened in a long time. And that's concerning to me. I don't know how these players are going to come back um, as far as being in shape. I mean, most of them probably will be. But a few guys might slip through the cracks the, the, and what they did in the offseason. If they did, shame on them. Yeah, I mean, fair if, enough. If, 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 if you let yourself go, if mm-hmm. you aren't working, because all these guys are working anyway. Yeah. They're, they're all working the entire offseason anyway. And then they go to their to their spring camps or, what what is it, the mini camps. They sure, go, yeah. they, they go to the mini camps in January and early February um, to get to get a little bit of work. And not the yeah. veterans, but the younger guys. Sure. And, they, and the younger guys are still doing that. A lot of these yeah. guys have been in Sarasota for a while now, even though yeah. minor league spring training doesn't start until the 28th. Yeah. Um, so if if you're one of those players that was like, oh well, there's nothing going on. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> you, then shame on you. Probably you, a few you, of them though. You, uh, I can't imagine. Maybe not. I, I don't can't. Know. I can't imagine. But then again, I remember who was the guy for the Ravens that came in um, a couple of years ago, and he it was like a contract year, and he he came in and he was so out of shape. What so, position did he play? Like defensive tackle or defensive, he was a defensive. Oh, it was lineman. Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce. Yeah, thank you. Michael Michael Pierce comes in in a contract year, comes mm-hmm. in training camp, and he hadn't worked all off season. Yeah, yeah, like that. So yeah, maybe I, I can't imagine being a professional athlete and letting that happen. I can't either. But the other thing is, and more to my point was that you have 
all these plans that, you know, take this many swings per day, uh, throw this and, and get on this throwing plan or whatever. And maybe those guys just aren't on these standardized systems and programs that the team usually would send out that, you know, they would they would actually be on if there was a regular offseason going on. That's my point. And I think maybe some guys may be a little slower to start hitting again or slower to start pitching well again. It's just it's going to be like a slower build up through spring training and into the season. And maybe we see a slow start for some guys in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to ramp up. Right, because exactly. they're not they're not going to get a ton, ton of time. If you go beyond, I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. it's going to be a quick ramp up. Right. Uh, you're already beyond the point where you can get a full spring training in because right. you're already supposed to be there. So uh, no matter when you get this deal done, it's going to be a three- or four-week period yeah. that you have. Unless you get it done today. For right. some reason, somebody sends a text and he's like, I like that. Deal done. Yeah. Which is going to happen. <laughs> Unlikely. Uh, um Unless you get a deal done today, yeah. you're, you're going to have three to four weeks to right. get ready. And, and and these players, they better be out there working on their own. And yeah. and I don't doubt that they are. I really don't doubt yeah, that they I, are. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure most of them are, and, and hopefully it's just they're working out the right way, getting the right amount of swings in, and these guys don't come in and have a really slow buildup in the beginning of the year because I feel like that's inevitable for some guys. But we'll see how it goes. But I, I think that it's just one overlooked piece of this whole CBA negotiation. We look at the, the negotiations and the, the unfaithful uh, proposals by both sides, uh, but there's a lot going on on the player side. Uh, that and the player personnel side that we don't really see, so it's yeah. just concerning to me. Well, and and, and what's going to be really annoying is when the season does start mm-hmm. and you have a pitcher goes four innings and throws sixty five pitches, yeah. and they say, "All right, he's done." Well, why yeah. is he done? Well, because we, we couldn't build him up. We we we, we couldn't build him up, and he, he's given up one <laughs> run on three hits and yeah. four innings, and now you got to go to your bullpen, yeah. and that's that's going to be the most frustrating, not the most frustrating part, the whole thing is the most frustrating part, but that's yeah. going to be a frustrating part once this thing gets done, and this thing is going to get done, guys. You're yeah. not going to cancel the Major sure. League season. We will be watching baseball this summer. It's just a matter of when it starts. I still am holding out hope that we're going to see it on March 31st. Uh, I still have that that date of March 1st in my head, which is just the day after their deadline. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm sticking to it. Okay. I, I feel like you can't meet every day, starting on Monday, and not come up with something. Uh, otherwise, just banging your heads against the wall. I agree. I, do, I think it was the Miami Marlins. I'm trying to remember the team, but a lot of the players were getting together and holding these uh, workout sessions and hitting live pitching and all of that. So maybe teams are doing that too. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to add to my point from before, but I, again, we still don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But yeah, I think March 1st is a really really fair. Uh, assessment of this it just makes sense it's kind of a date that stuck out to both of us for a while and it just makes sense to kind of get it done and maybe come to a uh, a good compromise but it's still going to be a while I mean, it should have been, it, it been done by now away from that it, so. sh- it, sh- it should have been done by now but uh, moving on to other things because the Orioles did make a a major <laughs> announcement and and look guys I shed when, long no I'm just kidding <laughs> when they said we'll get to shed long uh, but w- when they said they had a major announcement coming, and it was going to be John Angelos and Mayor Brandon Scott yeah. at Camden Yards on Friday making an announcement. Uh-huh. The first thing I thought was, oh, they extended the lease. Yeah, same here. That was the first thing I thought. And then Glenn made a great point that that's between the Orioles and the state. So, so Hogan why would, would, yeah. So why would it be Brandon Scott and not Governor Hogan? Right. Um, and then Ken Wyman leaks that it's going to be a Paul McCartney concert. And look. Beatles, probably the most famous band of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paul McCartney, incredible talent, even pushing eighty now. Yep. Incredible talent. I have nothing against Paul McCartney. As a baseball guy, when I see my team say mm-hmm. we've got a major announcement coming, yeah. the last thing I want to hear is a Paul McCartney concert. 
That's fair. I, I think it, it, there was a little bit of a... Uh, overblown? Uh, uh, yeah, overblown. I think it was kind of... It, it's significant for Baltimore. It really is. It is. Economically, it is. Uh, it's it's really significant for the city, and they're going to draw a lot of people. Think about this. Think about it this way. You know, Paul McCartney skipped over Washington D.C. and Philadelphia both to come to Baltimore. That's just really. He hasn't been here since 1964. That's a really significant thing for Baltimore. But the fact that the Orioles themselves came out and said this is a major announcement is kind of weird. Well, I agree. And, and and major announcement coming. Yeah. If they just simply said major entertainment announcement, that would have been different. Coming, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then when you say Paul McCartney, I could get excited about that. Yeah. But when you tell me there's a major announcement coming, yeah. and then the major announcement is a guy who's almost 80 years old and it's going to be his concert in mm-hmm. Baltimore. It's a cool concert. It's cool. Oh yeah. I, maybe I'll go. I will be there. <laughs> but uh, good luck affording tickets. For I will that, be bro. there. Yeah, I know um, it's going to be tough. Um, if the t- prices if the prices are affordable, mm-hmm. maybe I'll go. Yeah. But I was hoping for something regarding the actual Orioles franchise. Now, look, and, and like you said, this is going to be big for the for the city. Yeah. And, and John Angelos, he dodged a lot of the the team questions and the labor questions yesterday. Yep. But he was very enthusiastic about the the concert. Yeah. It being used as a concert venue and the different acts that they can get here. And he says, "Let's go get Pearl Jam. Let's go get the Foo Fighters. Yep. So let's let's get these big these big names in here." Sure. And he was excited about the economic impact on Baltimore, he said, for like the next 30 years. Yeah. The way that he spoke, to me, came off as a proud Baltimorean. Yeah. Not somebody who's looking to move this team. And I know that when we had Stan on a month ago, he said that he doesn't want to give any time to people who think this team is going to move. Yeah. But we still hear it. My my dad asked it's me this. Out there. My dad asked me this past week if the Orioles were moving to Vegas because one of his friends told him the Orioles were moving to Vegas. And I, I interesting. And I, told I haven't him, heard that one before. And I told you haven't heard that one before. I've, I've heard Nashville, Portland. I've heard a bunch of spots, but not Vegas. Vegas was the first one. Was, that was it really? Ever, was the first okay. one to mention? I've, I've always been hearing Nash. Nashville's the big one. Uh, on the Bruce Cunningham show, oh, okay. uh, he, he said that he had a source that said this, that, and the other, mm. and everybody was up in arms. It scared the crap out of me. I, I remember yeah. I was on break from work when I heard it. My yeah. my chest started pounding. Yeah. Um. And they, it was unfounded. Yeah. It was unfounded. Poor Bruce. The guy was a credible <laughs> source who basically just told him a, a lie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, my dad asked me this past week and I was, I basically had to tell him his friend was an idiot. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's just not a thing, but people are still talking about it. We have the one guy who's been commenting on our show endlessly on YouTube about how they're going to, like he said that he went to the Maryland stadium authority, um, meeting at the warehouse and they wouldn't answer any of his questions. They wouldn't let him talk or anything like that. And like people legitimately believe this team is going to move. And then when you hear John Angelos talk the way he did yesterday, there's no way you can believe it. Right. There's right. no there's no way that you can believe it. And, and as soon as the lease gets done, and that's what we were hoping for. That's yeah. that, that's the kind of annoying thing about all of this is that we're waiting on this lease. We know it's going to happen probably very soon, um, within the year most likely. Hopefully. And when they say major announcement, that's what you think is coming. Yeah. Uh, I love Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney is one of my favorite musicians of all time. I will be at that concert if I can afford it. Um, but it's. Not really the same. If you're extending the lease, that's major. Mm-hmm. This is a major entertainment announcement, like you said. There's kind of two different things there, but it is great for the city of Baltimore. It is. It but is. I, it's going to bring more money, and it's going to bring yeah. more money to the club. Right. And, and if the lease had been extended, though, I would have been pretty excited. Well, about and, that. and 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 that's the other thing. Maryland Stadium Authority isn't going to agree to a lease extension that they feel like a team's going to leave. Yeah. You right. Know, they're, 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 they never. They never. operate in good faith. Right. In <laughs> yeah. good, actually, in yes. good faith. So. And Angelo said, he, he said, 
we expect to have a, what we're really hoping for is to have a lease agreement done before Hogan's next term, yeah. which is in January. Yeah. So, or before the end of his term, or be, term yeah. Right. yeah, which which would be next January. Right. I hope that's the case. I hope that that's what's going to happen. I like. I'm not privy on the negotiations there. It seems like both sides want to get things done, and seems and from what we've heard, they've only ever had pleasant interactions. Yeah. So it's likely this thing gets done. I'm and, not even concerned. Yeah. Not yeah, even and, concerned. And they're extended through the end of ne- through the end of 2023. Yeah. So, so something's going to get done in the next year or so. Hundred percent. It, it's it's going to happen. But it's exciting to know that. I just wish that would have been the major announcement instead of Paul McCartney. And again, yeah. it's nothing against Paul McCartney. I mean, we share the same name. You know, <laughs> I I enjoy Paul McCartney, and I think he's an incredible yeah. talent. And I, I'm excited for his concert to be here. But yeah. the major announcement, major en- entertainment announcement next time. I mean, the Orioles did a really good job with the Billy Joel concert. I wanted yeah. to go very badly, but it was I believe it was the same night as Adley Rutschman's minor league debut for the Orioles, uh, an affiliated ball, not with, not with the the GCL back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in Aberdeen. Which I I was working there at the time, so I was never gonna miss that. Um, I was at Rutschman's debut, not the Billy Joel concert, but I was at Rutschman's debut too. Was, was it, it a different it, night? It, it might have been like Rutschman's debut was an afternoon game. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was literally it, it there, was, but I don't remember. Yeah, but I, I was there with the wife. It was I, an I, afternoon game. I thought the Billy Joel concert was that night. I could be wrong. But Maybe anyway, it was. Even, Maybe if, it was. even if it was, doesn't matter. But that, you know, definitely something that uh, the Orioles did very well last time. Got a great uh, response from, from people, and I believe it sold out pretty quickly, and tickets were really expensive, yeah, I, and I, it, I, it did well. I, I heard it was incredible, and I, and I, I did can't, too. And I can't wait for the Paul McCartney concert, same. and I hope it's yeah. a, the same thing. And if I can afford it, I'd love to go. It is on a Sunday... It, it is on a Sunday night, which is kind of a weird time, which is, which is yeah. a weird date for a concert. Yeah. But I mean, oh well, it's whatever. it's over the summer, so it's yeah. A I mean, they, they maybe it's after the last game of a homestand, and the Orioles are going are it going away. Be. Like if they did it on a Saturday and the Orioles were home, uh, I, what whatever, whatever. The concert's going yeah. off, and, and doesn't matter. It could be at three a.m. and you would still get forty thousand people. I would there. be there at three a.m. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and one more thing that I want to talk about. It wasn't in my notes, but Matt Harvey. He took the stand mm. in, the, in the Tyler Skaggs case yeah. and talked about all the partying and the Percocets and the oxycodones or and the um and, and all the cocaine and stuff like that. And basically, yeah. he threw himself under the bus. And even though they gave him immunity in court, mm-hmm. Major League Baseball is going to suspend him for sixty days as soon as he signs with another team. Which is my reaction was that's it. Was well, if a court gave him immunity, and this is uh, yeah. after the fact. Yeah. I get it, but it's kind of BS. Really, it, it, I'm on the complete opposite side. It's it's it's, it's kind of BS that this guy is going in there and he's he's testifying after the death of one of his teammates, and yeah, he's doing something that he doesn't want to do. This he did testify though that he gave Tyler Skaggs uh, different pills. He did testify and say yeah. That. So that's kind of bad to me. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. I think yeah. 60 days is definitely warranted, and I would have done more personally. Well, I guess you can you can make the argument that like yeah, the, the, in in the court of law they can give you Im- Im- immunity, but your job could still fire you yeah. for something that you. And so I, I I get that. So maybe I'll take a step back from saying it's BS. It's just it's hard to to for to watch the court give him immunity and then watch Major Baseball be like, well, we're higher than the court. <laughs> You're suspended for 60 days, but. It can also be fair because they're still allowing him the opportunity to pitch. But yeah. also, if a guy like Matt Harvey, who pitched to a six-something ERA last year, he was better in the mm-hmm. second half, but he was really, really god. He was the worst pitcher in baseball yep. for about a two-month stretch. Yeah. 
you may have just ended his career. I don't see how his career isn't over. I don't yeah. see how any team looks at you know him giving drugs to Tyler Skaggs and and then all of his numbers in the past few years and says this guy is great for our clubhouse and this guy is great yeah. on the field. I just don't see it. Yeah, he's never pitching for the Orioles again. No, that's for sure. no. But there was a legitimate chance that he was going to come back to the oh, Orioles. Oh, huge this chance. Year. Yeah, there, legitimate chance. And now it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's 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 not going to happen. But and, and look, I don't want to be. It's a fine line to walk, right? Because on the one hand. This is a guy who gave drugs to a, to a dude who ended up dying because of the drugs that he's using. Correct. On the other hand, this is a guy who's clearly an addict. Who's, yeah. Who we have who, to, have, you know, a who, little who, bit of. Who's having issues, and yeah. maybe he was taking this stuff. One second. Maybe he was taking taking this stuff to pro to, to help his career to bounce back quicker from injury. Mm-hmm. You know, not like steroids, but he's taking painkillers. And yeah. teams, we heard it from Antonio Brown, and now that's not the most credible source <laughs> either. But, Very credible. But there's not a doubt in my mind that people that the, the teams shoot up their players with painkillers so that they can go out and they can play their sport. There's not a doubt in my mind that that happens. So if he starts taking Percocets so that he can go out and pitch through injury, pitch through pain, mm-hmm. and then the pain becomes so great he has to take more and more and more, and then he becomes addicted. 10% of people in the, in, uh, out there are predispositioned to to addictive tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. And then they get when they wean you off, they don't wean you off. They just say, okay, we're not giving you any more pills, and that's how people end up turning to heroin. And I'm not saying that this guy turned to heroin. I don't think that's the case. But you can understand how you're popping pills, popping pills, popping pills, and now you don't know how to play without them. Yeah. And then because you, it's it's that's what addiction is. So you have to kind of be sympathetic to the guy, like, yeah, not sympathetic that he helped uh, uh, that what he gave to a teammate ended up killing him, but sympathetic to the fact that it's kind of like, it kind of became out of his control after a certain point. Yeah, the Percocets were one thing, but there was also a lot of, and he said this again, a lot of recreational cocaine use. So yeah. that's <laughs> not great either. But yeah, but I, I'm th- not... Tyler Skaggs didn't overdose on cocaine. No, he didn't. No, no. And this is Matt Harvey I'm talking about. I know, uh, but I know. It, yeah, and, that, and that's a fair fair argument. Um, but I, I, I do have a bit of sympathy for Matt Harvey there because I know there's, there's some things that you can really deal with that are really tough there, but... He doesn't seem like a great guy to me either, so I'm not sure yeah. I'm gonna gonna back him up on this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm 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 not backing him up. No, I know you are. I'm not backing him up. I'm not saying that anything that he did was okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that him recreationally using cocaine every second of every day mm-hmm. is good. In in the in the dugout, by in the, the way. Du- yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that that, that that's so I understand that the major yeah. baseball would suspend him. I guess just on the surface, when you hear that he has immunity, and then well, you said I have immunity, and yeah. now I'm not I'm not allowed to play. I can see where that would Fair be upsetting. Definitely, him. definitely. So we got to get Stan on the line while Zach does that. I just want to uh, reveal the rest of our show to you in a matter of moments. We're going to have Stan the fans Charles at eleven o'clock from the Athletic. Dan Connolly will join the show to talk all things Orioles, Paul McCartney, CBA, all sorts of things. Uh, from the Babe Ruth Museum, Mike Gibbons will be on the line at eleven twenty-five. They have a really nice uh, Babe's birthday bash coming up. It's the twenty-eighth annual uh, that starts on Tuesday. Uh, they're gonna do on Tuesday. They're gonna do it's a three night event. On Tuesday, they're gonna remember the 2012. I'm sorry, the 2002 Terps National Championship Men's Basketball Squad. Um, and they're gonna have guys like like uh, Chris Wilcox and Lonnie Baxter, Gary Williams. They're gonna be part of that. Then on the second night, uh, the 24th, I believe it is. I have it right here. I don't know why I'm not just uh, 
Just looking at it. On the uh, t- on the night two, though, on the 23rd, it's remembering the Buck Showalter era with a special look back at the magical 2012 season. With Matt Wieters and J.J. Hardy, they're going to have pre-recorded interviews. And then Stan the Fan, Charles, and Peter Schmuck are going to do a follow-up Q- Q&A. And then on night three on Thursday, February 24th, there's going to be an interview with former Orioles pitcher Jack Fisher, who famously gave up Ted Williams' final home run and also gave up Roger Maris' 60th home run in that magical 1961 season. So we're going to have all that. We're going to talk to Mike Gibbons about it here uh, around the 11th. 11.25, 11.30 today. Sounding off is at Goodman around 11.40. Orioles banter, and then hopefully I can come up with a with a whopper of a trivia question for you. But enough about that. On the line with us now is the Grand Poobah. We have Stan, the fan. Charles, Stan, how are you this morning? I'm very well. How are you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We were just talking about um, the whole the Paul McCartney concert that's going to be here. Zach, can you turn me up just a little bit, bud? Um, we're, we're talking June about the 12th. Yeah, June, June the 12th. June, Sunday, June the 12th. Sunday, June the 12th. And for baseball fans, when they see that the Orioles are going to make a major announcement and it's going to involve Mayor Brandon Scott, they kind of thought it was going to be baseball-oriented. It, yeah. was, it was not. And that's not, a, that's not a knock on Paul McCartney. I'm, I'm very excited for this concert. I think Baltimore should be. But what can, how can you explain to people on the other side of the fence that were disappointed by this announcement why this is such a big deal and why this could help the Orioles in the city? Well, it's a it's a big deal for our city. You know, our city has taken uh, you know has a, re- a reputation around the country that is not always in the high. You know, it's not held in the highest esteem uh, from people around the country. Uh, they see it as a place with rampant crime, uh, police brutality, uh, people not going downtown, and that's the reality right now. Is we've 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 lost a lot of the fiber of what made Baltimore such a vibrant city since the Inner Harbor, you know, camp about in the Renaissance of Baltimore, is that a lot of people are afraid to go downtown. Yeah. And this is a huge event that uh, comes to our city. Uh, and let's, let's be honest, the Billy Joel concert was already, it's hard to believe it's already been three years. But that was supposed to be the first of what would have been a series of gigantic concerts that were right. at Park at Camden Yards. And that was scrapped by the uh, pandemic. Uh, so this is the first big one since then. I, I kind of disagree with you that people thought it was going to be baseball-related when they heard that uh, you know the mayor was going to be there. It, it really is all about economic impact. Right. Uh, the mayor really wouldn't. Uh, Luke and I were talking about it. I thought it was going to be... Um, I thought it was going to be my initial take was there was something to do with the lease, but I then I quickly turned on that and Luke thought uh, and and John Colson thought it was going to be something to do with the like a betting parlor at Camden Yard. I could see that. And then yeah. It, yeah, and then it then it turned out to be this story about Orioles Entertainment, which is that, let's be honest, the way the ball club's finances have gone the last you know five six years. Uh, they need injections of all the capital they can. And um, I politely listened yesterday. I, I don't think this is money that goes into the Orioles payroll silo at all. I think this is just, it goes into a totally different silo. I think that's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's not like we're going to get two two big concerts every summer and that's going to pay for a free agent. You know, I, right. I don't think it works that way. But the vibrancy of the Orioles organization 
can be helped a great deal by the influx of these kind of concerts. And it'll be one night in the city. I just think it's a shame, probably, that it's a Sunday night. We were just saying that. Still, people have to go to work, and uh, maybe its impact won't be as great. You know what the most fascinating thing is? I, I was having dinner last night at my house with my cousin, Ron Matz, who's a newsman, and we were watching Channel 2 uh, with our friend Jamie Costello on the news was on, and Ron goes, you know, it's really it's really fascinating. He goes, you know who's going to be in Baltimore within two days of Paul McCartney's uh, appearance? And I go, no, I have no idea. Ringo Starr's playing at the Lyric here, like one or two days before this concert, and I... You know, I don't know what his promoters would think if he came over, and I don't know how tight the schedule is where he might be in Pittsburgh the night before or the night after or whatever. But wouldn't that be something? It if, would uh, be. And it's so funny, yeah. Stan, because you were you were sitting in on uh, Glenn's show yesterday. And on yeah. Thursday when this got announced, Glenn actually, uh, tongue-in-cheek, said, maybe it's going to be a Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr concert. Ringo Starr reunion, that's right. He right. did say that. He, he yeah. said that, yeah. and then sure enough, it's Paul McCartney and Ringo's in the area two well, days before that. Well, not, not only does my cousin say that, two, like a minute and a half later, Jamie Costello talks about it and, you know, hypothesized what it would be like, you know. I think so, it would be pretty cool. It would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it's it's a night. It's going to be an expensive night. Let's let's be clear about that. But tickets are going to go on sale. Oriole uh, season ticket holders or membership club members, whatever they call it right now, uh, will have first dibs at tickets. And, uh They'll go pretty fast, you know. So, again, it's not a baseball move, but it's an Orioles move, and it's a Baltimore City economic impact move. So I just looked this up uh, with the Ringo Starr thing when he's on tour. So it's actually two days after the Paul McCartney concert, uh, which he's going to be on the 12th, and then Ringo plays uh, at the Lyric on the 14th and 15th. 14th. Now, does it say where Ringo is on the 12th? Ringo's going to be in Providence, Rhode Island on the 12th. So it looks like they'll probably not get a reunion there. We dashed that. Okay. Uh, well, we know it won't be George and Ringo, uh, George and John. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. Un- yeah. Un- unfortunately not. Unfortunately but maybe not. Yoko can make it. Oh, uh, hopefully man. not. <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> so, so stand up. <clears throat> when you were there for the announcement, you said John Angelos wasn't there to speak, but he did. Um, he did uh, hold a Zoom conference with the Baltimore media. Were you a part of the Zoom of the Zoom meeting? No, I did not because I didn't know about it in time, and I. I ran to do some uh, distribution stuff, and I got home, went on the computer, and saw my email that John was doing a 1030, uh, you know, Zoom, and it was already 10 of 12, so yeah. I did not know about that. Well, he he did he did speak, and, you know, uh, of course, as we as we could expect with in regards to the labor talks, in regards to where the rebuild stands, he, he basically said a whole lot of nothing, but what's he really going to say um, in the middle of yeah, a breakout? I asked Mike Elias a question. I dared to ask a question. I said, Mike, with one of the aspects of this baseball labor situation is when it does settle, there's going to be this mad dash to sign free agents, and there's going to be a huge glut of free agents. I said, are you poised in any way, shape, or form to possibly surprise us with some kind of pickup that that you know might be 
a $5 million player that you thought would be a $9 million player, but because of the condensed time, you might be able to say, and boy, he really just went into what must have been a memorized talk about how he can't talk about anything, you know? Yeah. And you didn't, didn't deign to, uh, you know, I mean, that's how the Orioles wasn't a strike situation, but that's kind of how they signed Nelson Cruz that year for a one year, $8 million contract is somehow because of his, his, uh, you know, steroid, uh, implications and suspension he was sort of hanging out there, and there was limited time, and all of a sudden the Orioles signed him. You know, it'd be very cool if they could sign a pitcher like that. This year. Yeah. And there's, there's a great possibility of that, really. I, I think the mad dash for free agents will really open things up if they want to make yeah. a possible signing. It's going to, yep. for at least one guy, you know, he's not going to get the money he wants, and maybe the Orioles swoop in, and he sees the opportunity to maybe get, you know, 20 starts, and he looks at it as, as a good spot to, to be, and I think that's definitely a possibility, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a possibility, you know. So, But Mike wasn't having any of it because he's, <laughs> he's, you know, they're muzzled right now. My, Mike likes really the uh, likes the prepared statements, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. likes those. Uh, yeah. well, well, Stan, John Angelos, what, what he did talk about was a Paul, McCon- Paul McCartney concert. <laughs> uh, and he talked about infusing you know, things into this city. And like we were just talking about how big it is economically for the city and for the Orioles. And everything he said to me, Stan, was uh, about the meetings with the, with the Maryland Stadium Authority and the concert and the major events and all that. It seems like he plans on the Orioles being here for a very, very long time. And he came off to me as somebody who's a proud Baltimorean who wants to see big things uh, come back to the city and come back to this team. I left, I've read his comments and I left feeling enthused. What, what were your feelings on what he said? Yeah, I, uh, well, I've always been enthused. I've gotten to know John, you know, very well. Uh, understandably, and Paul, you're probably a little young to have listened to me in my quote-unquote heyday, but I, I was pretty critical of Peter Angelos, uh, you know, and therefore his inner circle you know, was was less than lukewarm toward me, you know. Um, mm. But I've, I've developed over the last seven or eight years, I've developed actually longer, maybe 15 years, I've developed a little at a time a relationship where I, I, I think John and I would call each other friends. Uh, and I've always been, A, impressed with his intelligence. Um, he, he, he can tend to be slow-moving a little bit like his dad, but I think he's much more transparent. And I think we need to sort of take him at his word a little bit more because he's much more transparent than his dad. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, haven't seen anything that would suggest that we shouldn't take him at his word. Yeah. For, for me, yeah. it's I'll, I'll trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. And yeah. he hasn't given me a reason not to not to trust him. And he he went on one hundred five seven last year or the year before, and he did a four part interview that was a total of uh, two hours talking about about this team and where he wants his team to go. And then he comes out and he says these enthusiastic things about the team yesterday. I feel like under his leadership, this team is in good hands. Yeah, you can't, and the thing is, you can't have it both ways. You can't want to not have a meddlesome owner and then sort of wish he'd meddle more to to make things move faster or anything. He's put his trust in Mike Elias. Uh, You know, Mike is not the warm and fuzzy guy I I thought we might have gotten, 
but he's, you know, apparently by all of these, not a bad guy. Uh, and, you know, I think he's moving along uh, at a pace that, given the, the complications of the pandemic, has slowed what growth that they had. You know, I don't think there's any question about that. And I think that's a fair assessment uh, of the situation. But again, m- one of the, the big things that hasn't paid any dividends yet is this infusion of money into the uh, international signings, you know, and when that starts to pay off, I think it's going to end up expediting this move back up the standings and the relevancy uh, totem pole. Oh, absolutely. And you look at the best players in the game. They're from the international market. Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. These guys are the best players in baseball, and they're from that international market. The Orioles are – they got their feet wet a couple of years ago with the uh, the, the J219 signings, and then um, the pandemic pushed everything back to last January. But they've made, I think, three or four uh, seven-figure – yeah. commitments to international prospects plus the 25 million dollar Dominican Academy that's they've already broken ground on this past October uh, I think it's all good signs as far as the international market is concerned and I agree with you Stan once that starts to to come to fruition and starts to pay dividends you're going to see a direct correlation with the move up in the standings I think you're absolutely right yep yeah. now much question about that we're, we're, we're talking about um, we were talking a little bit about free agents and the fee, and if the Orioles could benefit from a feeding frenzy because some guys would be willing to sign lesser deals just so they have a place to go one guy that certainly won't be part of that for the Orioles I think we can all agree to that now is Matt Harvey uh, did you pay attention to what was going on with uh, with this Tyler Skaggs uh, yeah I think uh, Matt has uh, I mean I'm sure he um, it was important to him to testify truthfully uh, for the long haul uh, because you don't want to get a perjury charge on top of what he did. Uh, But he certainly placed himself in the crosshairs of major league baseball, you know, for some, some punishment there. Absolutely. Now, now the, I can see where there, where he would be frustrated. Zach and I were talking about this just before you came on, where he was granted immunity uh, by a court of law, but then it's come out that he's going to be suspended sixty games whenever he signs with a new team by major. And I'm sure, he, and I'm sure he knew that. You know, uh, what he didn't want to do was, uh, you know, nothing would stop him from signing to pitch in Korea or Japan. That's you know, true. I don't think he would be under, and frankly. That's really what Matt should do at this point is try and get the best deal he could on a two-year deal and go over to Japan uh, and try and pitch two years and put up some respectable to, to better than respectable numbers and give it a shot when he's about 33 or 34 that he might be able to get a two- or three-year late-career deal. You know, uh, it certainly won't be the kind of dollars that Matt had during bouncing around in his head, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But, uh, look, his career just did not pan out uh, the way it was supposed to. You know. it, it's it's crazy how sometimes you see these pitchers who, uh, when they're doing it, it, it's incredible, but then they end up being a, a flash in the pan. And, and uh, pitchers that come to mind for me are guys like Dontrell Willis and uh, Tim Lincecum, who Tim Lincecum had a very good career, but it was short. It, it yeah. So, and I, and I look yeah, at guys he would like, not be a he would not be in my estimation a Hall of Fame candidate. Right. But for the bulk of his six or seven years, 
he was very much a, a Hall of Fame caliber pitcher uh, until, you know, for three or four years, it looked like he was a top, top pitcher. Yeah, and it one, two went away very quickly. Yeah, yeah, Listen, yeah. with Matt Harvey, it's very clear. Matt Harvey had one of the most explosive fastballs in recent memory. You know, mm-hmm. it was probably like in the class of a Nolan Ryan or a J.R. Richard with its velocity and its sheer explosiveness. But he clearly didn't really know how to pitch, you know. And once that was taken away from him by arm injuries, uh, he was not able to resurrect himself. But again, you saw some interesting snippets of what he could could be again, you know, uh, last year. You know, uh, I thought it, despite his end numbers, I thought that the Matt Harvey that had that six or seven start, you know, you know, uh, run where he was, didn't let up many runs and all of a sudden I said, boy, this guy's pretty interesting. Uh, and he couldn't really hold it together for a longer stretch, but there was enough in there that I would have been interested just sheer, sheerly on what I saw last year and where the Orioles are this year. I would have been interested in revisiting a Matt Harvey for a year. Yeah, I, I, it's clearly not going to happen. Now. I think it was a legitimate possibility yeah. in, until this past week. And this well, past week, I think you know, it's good. really funny. I talked about that to a few couple people, and a couple people said he's going to get a much better deal than he got in Baltimore last year. And you, I popped off one night in the press conference that I thought I'm not in the press conference, the press box. And Dan Connolly shot me down, and he was right. I said, he's going to get a two-year deal somewhere, you know. And Connolly looked at me and goes, come on, Stan, he's not getting a two-year deal. And when we talked it out, I agreed that. But he was, he, was possib- he was possibly a guy that a team, and I won't say the Mets because of the history there where he left on such bad terms, but a team that's a contender that might want one more arm like the Yankees would be an interesting team that could pay him four or five million dollars to to be there as an extra arm insurance policy, uh, and I think that was likely to happen until this. And now I think his major league at the moment his major league career is probably uh, over for the time being. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with you there. Now, nobody's career is going on right now because they haven't agreed to any kind of negotiations with this new collective bargaining agreement. Their last meeting stand on Thursday lasted just 15 minutes. Uh, the Players Union, they upped their asking price for a bonus pool from the low point of $100 million back up to $115 million because they took away their ask for every player with two years of service time to be arbitration eligible. Now they're only asking for super two players and players with three or more years to be arbitration eligible. So they were up to $115 million because they have to then have to pay 150 players rather than the previous 30 when in their original ask. On the surface, the $115 million it's a bad look. It looks like the teams, like the side, like they're going in the wrong direction. What is your thought on where the CBA negotiations stand right now? And this announcement, they're going to meet daily starting on Monday. And why did it take so long to get to the daily meetings? Well, you know, uh, I'm a veteran of these things. You know, you guys, you guys at your age haven't seen uh, any kind of baseball labor war, you know, 
or, or unrest. Um, there's just a there's just a known fact that the clock starts to dictate the urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I will never totally understand that because you know again I point to the summer the early April May of 2020. Both of these sides knew that they were having a real labor upheaval, and there should have been some type of real honest effort to break through the the loggerheads like a year and a half ago, you know. And certainly, when the commissioner put this lockout in place and used the ter- used the term, I'm hoping by doing this lockout we're going to accelerate the urgency, uh, and now. It, it looks like they're about ready to accelerate the urgency, you know. But that does not mean they don't have some hard work ahead of them yeah. in the next week or two weeks uh, to to save the better. And when I say the better part of the season, I could see baseball easily starting around May the first at this point. Mm. Oh, at least but, you wouldn't have to but worry they'll about. Exp- it. But they'll exp- expedite that, uh, you know, uh, beyond what I think is reasonable, and have a three week spring training and exhibition season and try and get, you know, so I think they'll make some, I think they'll make some progress, uh, this coming week. Um, and the, the less it's out in the press, the better, you know, frankly. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully uh, we'll have some good news to talk about here uh, sooner rather than later. Because I, I got I to gotta tell you, Stan, uh, as much as I love talking baseball, I hate talking CBA. And it's the only yeah, thing I, going on right I, now. I, I'm not sure we'll have good news to talk about next Saturday, but the following Saturday we might have some good news. Hopefully, you know? hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, so, hey, before we let you go, what do you got coming up yeah. this week? Um, we've got uh, former Oriole pitcher Mike Torres. Excellent. Uh, is going to join us. Uh, Mike was uh, uh, an Oriole uh, pitcher acquired in the uh, in a uh, big trade with the uh, Montreal Expos and. Uh, then he was traded. Uh, we traded him to the um, Oakland A's, uh, and then he went to the Yankees, I think, from the A's and ended up with the Red Sox. Mike, a longtime, really solid pitcher, uh, solid to spectacular pitcher at times in his career. He joins Ross and I Monday at 6 o'clock, uh, Thursday at 7 o'clock. Don Marcus is going to join us to talk about his podcast on uh, – uh, Len Bias. Excellent, excellent. You you've got a um a Q and A coming up for this uh the twenty eighth annual um Babe's birthday bash, right? You're doing that on night two. Am I I'm correct? doing that. That's not uh, that's not a press box event, but I will be on the twenty third this Wednesday with that. The twenty okay. fourth is the interview with uh, Don Marcus on our regular Zoom. Gotcha. But Wednesday I'll be on after the recorded Matt Weeders, JJ Hardy part of the the ceremony. I think it's going to be about 7.30 to 8 o'clock, something like that. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Michael Gibbons along with Peter Schmuck and myself uh, talking Oriole baseball. Excellent. That, 2012. That sounds like a lot of fun. Stan, you're the hardest yeah. working man I know, man. You have a great weekend, and we'll talk next week, okay? All right, guys. Take care, Zach. Take care. Paul. Take care. Bye. 
That was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Again, every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. He and Ross chatted with former Orioles pitcher Dave Johnson while he and Gary caught up with Maryland Stadium Authority Chairman Tom Kelso. You can find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Coming up on Monday, as he just alluded to, Stan and Ross are scheduled to be joined by former Orioles pitcher Mike Torres. We got to catch a break when we come back in. Um, we're not going to have time for that. When we come back in, we're going to talk to Dan Connolly. That and more next on The Better Round. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Urban Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mount Castle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, welcome back into the bat around here on a... 
I'm going to say a, a lovely Saturday. Yeah, we didn't morning. talk about the weather. What are we, we doing? We, yeah, me, me, well, because you were you were screwing it's, up on the on the sound. Yeah, that was why. And, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, you were just you know, making that us was look why. bad. So it's it's a solid it's a solid it's, weather yeah, day. When I got here, it was pushing forty degrees. Yeah. It's, it's well, it was sunny. No, it's supposed to get colder later. I yeah, think it's going to yeah, drop well, down to the the low thirties. So. We're gonna we're gonna hit close to sixty though this this week. I, I know a few days in a row. So I'm yeah, Monday Monday is supposed to be pretty nice. And what you guys should be excited about is the live casino and hotel in Hanover. The wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can bet on every sport with 51 self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. So get on over to FanDuel. You can bet on the NBA All-Star Game mm-hmm. that's this weekend. You can yep. you know, place a futures bet on... When the CBA will uh, will get re- will get done and the season will start, I don't know. I'm sure yeah. there's, there's a bet for that. Did, did you watch the, the celebrity All Star <laughs> game last night at all? No, man. I, I'm oh yeah, you were seven year old man, That's right? You know? And you were at work too. Yeah. I don't uh, know how much you care about the NBA. I don't really know. Uh, I used to like it a lot when I was a kid. Okay. I mean, we're talking when I was a kid. You had Michael Jordan and yeah. and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you grew and, up in and, the '90s in and, a good spot. And, and Shaq, and then uh, and then I was a Wizards fan. And then Michael Jordan came to the Wizards, and mm-hmm. that was cool. And then. Uh, the game just got away from me because yeah. it was it was all above the rim for a long, long time, and yeah. now it's all beyond the arc. There's mm-hmm. no there's no good mix, and nobody plays defense to the, to the last five That's minutes of the true. game. So I, I just, although the one time that I did sit down and watch an entire game a few mm-hmm. years back, it was an incredible game between the Wizards and the Cavaliers, and LeBron James mm-hmm. was still in Cleveland, and he hit he hit a bank shot three like. Like a no look, like he had yeah. his back to the basket, a fadeaway turnaround jumper yeah. from beyond the arc, the banked in to tie the game, and then they won in overtime. It was an incredible game. I was, game. Like, I was like, I ha- you know the game I'm talking about? I remember slightly, vaguely. I, I think I've seen the shot in highlight reels before. And I, I remember watching that and being like, wow, maybe the NBA is all right. But I haven't watched <laughs> the game since. I legitimately I, haven't watched the game since. I've been to, I think, four Wizards games this year, like actually in person, and I've legitimately like enjoyed them. They're a lot of fun. But nobody goes to the Wizards games. Like You show up to a Caps game, and I think I've been to like three of those this year. You show up to a Caps game, and they're packed. Show up to a Wizards game, there's like no one there. Yeah, Glenn like jokes, Saturday night, Glenn, Friday Glenn night. Glenn jokes about all the time that there's no wi- there are no Wizards fans. There, there aren't. Like, well, they're, they're, and, and it's <laughs> because they're, they're, they're bad. At their every best. Year. At their best. They're mediocre. Well, they made the playoffs last year, but they didn't go anywhere, and they yeah. they really didn't deserve to make the playoffs. But they did. No, they they were they they got really hot down the stretch. Yeah. They got really hot. I remember that. They, they mm-hmm. I, like I, it's crazy because I may not watch, but I for some reason I, I I pay attention. Well, there's a lot of Orioles fans that that we both follow on Twitter that are also Wizards fans, and those kind of keep me updated. Like they'll tweet about the game, and they'll be like, "Oh, Davis Bertans, who just got traded," but they'll be like, "I, I hate Davis Bertans," just all this stuff, and you like you can pick up on some of those things. I, so. w- I wish I was. I think I'd be a much a much more round, well-rounded sports fan mm-hmm. if Baltimore had oh 100 uh, Baltimore had hockey and and, right. and basketball, but but because they don't, I just don't care. Right. I, I'm I, in the same I, camp. I, I tried to get into the Capitals and I like bought a Capitals shirt. Uh, like I like the shirt, feels <laughs> nice, it's a comfortable shirt. Um, but I'm just like I. I have not watched from start to finish a Caps yeah. game since their Stanley Cup run. Last year, I got really into DC United uh, and soccer. I got re- I've got i always kind of been a bit of a soccer fan. I, li- I always like watching soccer. There's I got no really- way there's... there's- 
fan. There's more. There's no way there's more fans of DC United than the Washington Wizards. Oh no, there's not. But DC is a great soccer town. They they always. I mean, they pack that stadium. It's like 20, 26, 28,000 people a night. They pack it and almost sell out every game. And the games are fun. If you haven't been to one, DC United, go to one this summer. February twenty sixth, by the way, home opener. So I'm I'm probably gonna be. I'm there. never going to a DC United game. Oh, there's so much fun. I'm never going. I talked uh, to a guy who hated soccer. He went to a DC United game like last summer. United. And he was like, yeah, United. <laughs> and he loved it. He was like, I want to go back. These, these games are amazing. They're fun. He hates soccer, but he liked that. They're they're a lot of fun. I like playing soccer. I'm not very good at it, but I have a I have a friend who was a professor who tore his ACL playing for um Philadelphia against the Baltimore Blast in the preseason. Uh, he tore his ACL, and uh, I've played soccer with him a few times, and it's it's a ton of fun. Um, I just I, I can't get into it. I I I get into it when it's like the World Cup, but other than that, like I just I just cannot get into it. But anyway, uh, Zach's getting uh, Dan Connolly from the Athletic on the line here in just a second. We're going to talk to him about his six players who need big springs uh, for the Orioles. We're going to talk about some CBA negotiations and the impact of all that. In just a moment, today's show is brought to you by the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament. It's headed to Charm City this February 22nd through the 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments to uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA tournament.org that's c-i-a-a-tournament.org joining us now from the athletic he is the guy to go to when it comes to to orioles content he is dan Connolly, and he's gracious enough to join us this morning uh dan thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us today how are you today good how you doing 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 very well doing very well all things considered not a lot of baseball to talk about right, right. now um cba negotiations it doesn't it doesn't seem to me like uh, either side is really operating with a ton of good faith. I don't see how they can be with a 15-minute um, meeting on Thursday. What's the latest going on with that, and when can we expect things to kind of ramp up here? Well, we're supposed to expect it to ramp up this week. I mean, basically it's been said that, that uh, the ownership, the Labor Committee, uh, has said that there's going to be daily discussion, daily negotiations, Every day starting this week. Uh, I guess the real question is, why now? <laughs> right. Why haven't we seen this in you know October, November, and then December when December second looms? Uh, and, and it really it's a paycheck situation, probably more than anything else. Now we're talking about losing potential games. Uh, you know, by February twenty eighth, March first, whatever. Uh, they really need to have something done for there to be baseball. On March 31st, and and you know obviously there's a lot of skepticism that it will make it to that point, uh, but you know uh, you work in in um, exact situations, and right now you know obviously spring training has been pushed back to at least March 5th, mm-hmm. and the next you know the, the next real deadline is really March 1st because if you can't get something done by then, then you're going to start losing baseball games in regular season. No, I, I think that uh, Zach, uh, turn me down just a little bit, bud. Um, Dan, I I think that what's what's going on here is neither side wants to wiggle. It, it I, I've used the term. This has been a bit of a of a peeing contest where each side is going to be a stick in the mud until they get what they want. But now the time has come where you can't do that anymore. You got to meet some meet some common ground here. Uh, 
we did uh, Evan Darlitz, your colleague over at the Athletic. He said that in an article in the last month or so that he spoke with people who dealt with the NBA lockout, and that basically this is something that doesn't get done to the eleventh hour. That you you go back and forth, go back and forth, but the time is when the timeline becomes more urgent when you start to lose games, which is what you just alluded to. Do you think that the, that now things are starting to get a little bit more serious, and we're going to see? more wiggle room or is it just going to be fine we're going to compromise even though we don't want to you know it's hard to say i mean there are legitimate issues at hand here and it's how they are going to divvy up the money you know for the next several years and i I was telling somebody recently you know i did a uh a poll one of the anonymous polls that we do um, in March of 2019, and I walked around the, the Orioles clubhouse, a couple other clubhouses, and talked to people about certain questions. You know, and most of it wasn't uh, you know, controversial at all or whatever. But mm-hmm. one of the questions was, and this is in March 2019, do you believe there's going to be a work stoppage before the next CBA gets ratified? And almost to a man, all of the veterans that I talked to said, yes, they do believe there's going to be a work stoppage. And that was in 2019. <sighs> Because there was there was so much ground to be made up, there were so many issues uh, that both sides had, and I, I honestly think that, that a lot of that stuff should have been worked out between now and then, but it hasn't been. And so the question is, how much are they going to stand their ground? And obviously, both sides have stood their ground for a little bit. The owners feel like they've given up a, a good amount that they you know that they have made some concessions. Obviously, I think you know from looking. At it from an objective point of view, it looks like the players have gone, you know, have given up some concessions mm-hmm. for sure. So, I mean, will they meet common ground? They have to at some point, but will they meet it, you know, before you start seeing games being lost? That's the question. And here's the other thing that, that I look at with this the players of the union has come out and said, look, the owners didn't need the lockout. They didn't need to cancel spring training games. They didn't need to do any of this. Uh, we could have gotten something done, and we still could have proceeded under the old CBA until we got the new one taken care of. Is there any reason for us to believe that that's actually the case? Should we actually believe that the players wouldn't have gone on strike, if it wouldn't go on strike had something not gotten, gotten done? Well, they, uh, no one wanted the, the CBA that expired in December. No one wanted that to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think over the years we've seen some things, especially with arbitration, how it is reached, how the younger players are, are paid. I, I think it's obvious from both sides that it's not really working. Right. Um, and so I, I, I feel like because of that, especially that particular thing, also, you know, the, the luxury tax situation, competitive balance tax, is extremely important. And I think all sides would be okay with a salary floor and make the Orioles go from $40 million to $100 million in that payroll and, and other teams like that. But to do that, you know, the, the owners want a, a lower luxury tax um, to basically kind of cap it some, cap the overall expenses. And obviously, you know, the, the players don't want anything that even resembles a cap. So... You know, it's it, it's hard to say if they truly, you know, if they were being a hundred percent upfront. But there's no question that something had to be done here. And again, I mean, I'm a broken record, but the biggest frustration I think for people who pay attention to it, to fans in particular, is it shouldn't have taken this long to start really negotiating. And and that's the, really the problem here. And that's kind of on both sides. 
Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. The fact it took 43 days before a proposal was made after the lockout was instituted is a, is a little bit ridiculous. Now, what we're going to see once this thing gets agreed to is a free agent free-for-all uh, because people are going to want to know, players are going to want to know where they're going, who they're playing, who they're playing for, and they're going to want to get down there and get started. With that in mind... What kind of scene are we likely to see? Could this benefit the Orioles? Are we going to see uh, players taking lesser deals just to get things going? Or are we going to see monster contracts and uh, hundreds of signings on one given day? Yes. (laughs) Yes, okay. (laughs) I mean, to answer all of your points, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to see a frenzy. I think we are going to see um, some some players take under market just to get going. I think we're going to see some – players still kind of I wouldn't say holding out but still waiting for that best deal the you know the top the Trevor Story type players um, and getting that you know getting that deal um, as far as affecting the Orioles I, I really hope that fans aren't too excited about the potential frenzy because I really don't anticipate that ha- that you know really affecting the Orioles mm-hmm. much uh, unless obviously if there is a, uh, a salary floor, um, then that might be something different, but I'm not sure that they would make that for 2022 anyway. But I, you know, the Orioles just aren't going to spend a whole lot of money. They, you know, the Jordan Lyles contract will probably be the biggest contract that they sign this year. Uh, you know, whether they can find somebody who they like, who they think can be for the future, who is you know undervalued a little bit, sure they'll do that. I mean, they obviously have you know a catching need. They have an infield need. You know, one infield spot probably. Um, and they have obviously starting pitching and you know some bullpen need there. So mm-hmm. if there's guys that slip through that they think are a smart buy, yes, they're going to do it. But are they suddenly going to splurge on somebody? No, I don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't foresee them being in the market for a top tier free agent. You'd like to think that they'd be able to get a backup catcher because you know that Adley Rutschman's going right. to play the majority of the season, and somebody that can kind of be on the back end of their starting rotation to give them some innings, like a Jordan Lyles. So that's I think what we would be hoping for here. Now, speaking of Adley Rutschman, this is a guy who could be greatly impacted by these CBA negotiations because if they do away with service time manipulation, for all intents and purposes, this is a guy who should be the Orioles opening day catcher, right? Yeah, and I'm not even sure. I mean, yes, the the manipulation is something that would affect him, but I think at the most we're talking three weeks in which it would affect him, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether he's opening day versus late April. I don't think they would wait until, you know, late May like they did with Matt Wieters. I mean, you know, he's 24 years old at this point. Right. I think everybody anticipates him to be ready. I think there are two options, really. It's he's, he's the opening day starter or he's the opening day, or he's the Orioles starter in late April. Um, obviously, everybody would like to see him as the opening day starter. I think that's more likely than not, uh, but Obviously, you know, spring training will have to go through. If he looks incredibly overmatched in spring training and, and seems to have kind of lost uh, what the gains that he had made, then maybe they decide to put him down for his own good as well as for the manipulation. So, I mean, I, I do think that there is that because there's always that in baseball's a business. But I also think that, you know, the Orioles understand that this guy's really good and they have nobody else honestly, to fit in that spot. So if we don't see him March 31st, if there is a game on March 31st, I would imagine we see him by, you know, the mid to end of, of April. Now, he was one of the six players that you, set, that you put um, 
in your article saying that mm-hmm. you need to have the biggest springs. Uh, two of those guys that stood out to me were Kelvin Gutierrez and Jorge Mateo. The Orioles don't really have necessarily a starter for anybody other than first base in their infield. And you have uh, Arias and Mateo and Kelvin Gutierrez uh, who could all fit those spots. Uh, but nobody's really locked it down. Tell me a little bit about Kelvin Gutierrez and what he could do to to lock down this job at third base because the defense was there and the bat was okay. He hit 280 in his, in his last 31 games with the Orioles. Um, but for all intents and purposes, the bat seems to be a little bit behind the glove right now. Well, it is. And I, I think he played good enough defense, and I think that's important for this team, for this you know inexperienced pitching staff to have good defenders behind them. Um, I will tell you, I think Odor is the second baseman. Yeah. I mean, I think he is primarily the second baseman. Obviously, they're not spending a lot of money on him because it's all tied to his previous contract. Um, but I think they really want him to play a lot and do well and maybe even be a trade ship, you know, later on. So because of that, I would not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say there's an open position. But obviously, Odor has not won it yet. So you're mm-hmm. correct in saying that. Um, but I do think he'll get more time at second base than not. So you're talking about third base being open right now, and you do have Urias, and you do have you know Mateo who could switch over there, especially if you get a shortstop, um, you know, in free agency. But I think Gutierrez has the the lead here because he did show he could play defense, and I think there is something in that bat, but they need to see it. And you know, there there are guys that are climbing, and they're not going to be ready in 2022. Certainly not in the beginning of 2022. But, you know, Jordan Westberg could play third base there. Obviously, you know, you talk about Henderson, although he's, you know, he's a full year away for sure, at least. So I think if you look at it, Gutierrez is a guy that if he hits and if he continues to show consistent steady defense, it is his job to lose. And I think that's important. Now, it might be taken away from him if they go ahead and sign a shortstop and they want to see Urias play every day or they want, you know, Mateo to play every day. But right now, I think it is Gutierrez's spot to lose a third base. How big of a red flag is it that uh, Urias and Mateo both got their first bit of extensive playing time in the major leagues and both ended the season with injuries? Is that, is that a red flag for you? Not necessarily. I mean, you know, the reason that... Mateo did not get a lot of playing time. At first, he wasn't as effective as they wanted to be, but then he got buried, and he got buried in San Diego. I mean, who's going to make that left side of the infield, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, he's in a situation, I think, that I think they're most intrigued by him. I know I'm most intrigued by him. Um, the question is, you know, he's got ludicrous speed, and he can be a good defender. Can he get on base? And, and, and that's the question. Can he, you know, continue what he did last year it was a real, I wouldn't call it a red flag, but it was a real disappointment when he goes down in September mm-hmm. because he was going to get everyday play there and, and get a sense of, of who he was and whether he could handle it every day. And obviously that did not work. Um, if he is still battling the back issues, then yes, that's, that's a red flag. That's a concern. Again, and, and I don't want to put like a, a label on it, but to me, Gutierrez is a placeholder. And I don't think it's a huge red flag because I don't think this is a guy that people are seeing as you know, a future Oriole. Um, he's a guy who, you know, could have a decent career if he can get some everyday time and, and continue to hit. But I don't think that they're really all that concerned about what his track record or injury record is because I don't think he's in the future plans. Now, how about uh, Shed Long? He was a minor league signing by the Orioles the other day. We've, we've seen him hit a couple of long home runs, notably against the Orioles uh, a couple of years ago. Um, is this a guy who is in their plans? Is he more just a depth move than anything else? Well, I think he's a depth guy. I think they want to see if he's healthy. 
Um, you know, how much a leg injury would affect his speed. I, I have always been intrigued by the guy. When he came to Seattle, I, I'm intrigued by speed because mm-hmm. it's one of those, you know, you can't teach it kind of things. Um, and it can really do damage, especially, you know, if, if Cam Norris plays a little bit differently this year. Uh, speed of Mateo or, or Mullins or, you know, even if Long makes this team. You know, it's kind of going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays. I, I don't know if he's anything more than depth at this point, but they certainly want to check him out because he was a prospect. One of the things that, that Mike Elias does, when he's looking, when he's grabbing guys um, off of waivers or minor league you know, purchases or whatever it might be, he does have a thing for guys who had top pedigrees. You know, the guys who are first former first-rounders um, or top you know, 100 prospects, top 50 prospect type guys. Because obviously he was there at one point. And the question is, can they get it, get it out of that player? And with the Orioles right now, they have opportunity. I mean, right. you know, the old Buck Showalter thing is that we're selling opportunity here. But they really, truly do have opportunity. So, you know, a couple of these guys, maybe they get lost in the shuffle. Maybe because they don't play every day, um, you know, they haven't been able to reach the, the heights that people expected them to. And so a guy like Mateo and a guy like Long, if they're given a long look, if you will, pardon the pun, um, you know, I, I think that, that Elias feels like he could find a gem or two in there. So that's kind of the thought, and Chad Long just fits that. And, and again, there's been guys throughout uh, Elias's situation, going back to, to Rio Ruiz, really, um, guys that he's, you know, were high-pedigree guys that he wants to take a look at. We've got Dan Connolly from The Athletic joining us today. And, Dan, one final question for you. We know that the Orioles go as far as their pitching takes. I mean, that's basically the case for every team in baseball. And the guy I want to talk a little bit about is D.L. Hall. He's entering his fifth season in the organization, and because of that, they had to add him to the 40-man roster. Only seven starts in about 32 innings last year. He's never thrown more than 91 innings in a, in a season. He should be here. By now, as a former first-round pick, he's one of the t- most talented lefties in the minors right now. He should be in Baltimore at this point, but injury is and uh, kind of holding his hand a little bit after the pandemic have kind of made that not the case. How important is this year for DL Hall, and how close is he to being shifted to a bullpen ro- role just to get his arm at the big league level? I don't think there's any real plans for him to be a bullpen guy going forward. I mean, obviously, if they're you know. They want to kind of watch his innings and stuff this year or the beginning of this year and then unleash him a little bit. But I think everybody in the organization still sees him as a future starter for the Baltimore Orioles. It's asked how important is this year, and obviously all these years are important, Mm -hmm. but for him, you know, it just seems like, you know, obviously he lost 2020 like pretty much everybody else did. Um, 2021 he lost, like you said, all but seven games. And now in 2022, because he was he was put on the, the 40-man roster to keep him away from the Rule 5 draft, he cannot practice. He cannot be part of uh, the minor league facility right. until, you know, in, until the, this breaks and CBA is ratified. Um, and I think it hurts him more than anybody else in this, in this organization because he's a guy who needs reps, who needs reps. He's a guy who needs instruction. He's a guy who needs eyes on him to make sure he's okay and that this elbow thing is going away and that he can return to, to what he is. And unfortunately, he's going to have to wait on that. Um, so more than anybody else in the organization, I think D.L. Hall has been most affected by this lockout. I agree. And I think that's disappointing because that's going to, unless it gets you know resolved very soon, 
it's going to push him back some. And that's really disappointing because this is a big year in that he just needs to show that he's healthy. He obviously can pitch. Uh, he needs to show us that he's healthy. And, and again, he was a high school draft. So, you know, you say he should be here. Well, maybe, but, I mean, it is a high school draft, and it is pitching, and everybody goes different development levels. True. Uh, I think he's still got a definite chance to be a really good pitcher, but he needs to stay healthy. And we need to make sure this elbow is fine because, you know, it was, it was called a stress reaction, not a stress fracture uh, in the elbow. It wasn't ligament. It was bone. But at the same time, um, you know, anything with the arm is concerning. Oh, absolutely, and I, I think we all have a right to be concerned. This is a guy who's a big part of your future plans, and hopefully that's something that can come to fruition sooner rather than later. Dan, always a pleasure when we talk to you. What can we plug, uh, plug for you here before we let you go? Actually, uh, on Monday, I have, because of the University of the H, one thing we didn't actually talk about much, um, because of the University of the H happening in 2022, as we expect, the uh, I think that the the market for Trey Mancini has expanded, mm-hmm. and so I asked other uh, writers from the Athletic National League writers if they think their team would be interested in, in Mancini, and if so, what trade proposal would they offer the Orioles? Like uh, the writers would think would be a fair proposal from their team for Trey Mancini, and so we had four different uh, national writer National League writers uh, bite on that, and they gave me their proposals and then i kind of said whether it would work or not for the orioles so i think it's going to be an interesting speculative piece coming up because you know you always say well are they going to trade mancini but the question is realistically what would they get for any of their 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 trade process their trade possibilities and so i think that's going to be an interesting one that's going to run on monday um you know specifically what kind of package would another team potentially give up for a trade mancini Uh, I'm really looking forward to that because I've been wondering that myself. Uh, Guys, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, you just don't look like good sports content, especially from Dan Connolly. Dan, thank you so much for joining the program. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon down the line. You got it, Paul. Take care. All right, take care. And that was Dan Connolly from The Athletic Orioles beat writer. I'm actually really, really looking forward to reading that article that he uh, he just talked about. That's going to be really good. It it is, because you you genuinely want to know what the market is for Trey Mancini. uh, He's right. I mean, it's definitely increased. That Mm -hmm. announcement changes a lot of things for Trey Mancini, and and hopefully for the better for the Orioles. Yeah, and something that's that's for the better for you right now. We we can bet on sports in Maryland, but you have to do a brick and mortar. You can't do it on your phone, which is why Underdog Fantasy Football is the app for you. You can go to uh, play player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are all available, and we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and whatever you download up to $100 <clears throat> Excuse me. We will match that's that's right up to one hundred dollars when you use the code Pressbox with Underdog Fantasy, either the app or dot com. You can bet on things like the NBA All Star Game this week. We gotta catch a break. When we come back, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with my voice. Uh, we gotta catch a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Mike Gibbons from the um, Babe Ruth Museum about the twenty eighth annual Babe Ruth Birthday. Bash. That and more next on The Better Round. 
Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. AATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 1130. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Brought to you by the Vandal Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash PressBox online. The newest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 11.30. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster joins the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even offer to a few winners. So come win some money with us on the Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Online. We've got some. Uh, we've we've had a good show today. Stan uh, with a lot to say. The the Paul McCartney announcement. Dan Connolly coming on to um, talk about the Orioles and the CBA and some players that he hopes is going are, are going to have some big springs coming up here in just a few moments. We're going to have the executive director 
of the uh, Babe Ruth Birthplace uh, and Museum in Baltimore, uh, Michael Gibbons. He's going to join us here to talk a little bit about their 28th annual Babe's Birthday Bash. And they're going to have a th- it's a three night event. Uh, the first event is going to be uh, in on Tuesday, February 22nd, talking about the Maryland Men's National Championship game. Uh, night two, fe- the February the 23rd, uh, it's going to be a look back at the Buck Show Walter era with a special look back at the Magical 2012 season with Matt Wieters and J.J. Hardy, uh, pre-recorded interviews, and then a stand the fan, Charles and Peter Schmuck follow-up Q&A. Then on night three, they're going to uh, do an event with Jack Fisher, uh, who gave up famously the final home run of Ted Williams' career and the 60th home run of Roger Maris's magical 1961 season when he hit 61 home runs. Uh, all these all these events start at 6:30, uh, and with that in mind, we are going to talk with Michael Givens again. He is the executive director of the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum in Baltimore. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on today. Uh, uh, it's been a lot of fun putting these shows together and. And, uh, you know, just kind of catching up with uh, old memories and and uh, and things like that. So and I think that's a big part of of sports is uh, or being a sports fan is that from time to time you get to look back uh, and uh, and just kind of remember and and let the good times wash over you again. So (laughs) that that's happening with us this week. Uh, And certainly. We're excited. I'm excited about the the Maryland one. That's that's your first night. That's going to be on uh, Tuesday, February 22nd. Again, all events start at 6:30 p.m. And this is a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the Maryland Men's National Championship um, title title run. Uh, Mike, I was a senior in high school, and I remember I went to my very first o- Orioles opening day that year and watched the Orioles beat the Yankees 10 to three. And then I came home and watched. Um, Maryland beat Indiana for the national championship game in the national championship game that evening. What was it like putting this together? You're going to have a live Q&A with Gary Williams, Johnny Holiday, Chris Wilcox, and Lonnie Baxter. Uh, what was it like putting this event together, and how excited are you to get to go back and remember this? Well, um, it, it was ter- terrific doing the interview uh, with the four of them because uh, they, they, they were like, uh, teammates or you know they were bro- they were a brotherhood and uh, and I think that sports does that to you so that uh, despite the fact that these guys uh, especially Chris and Lonnie they don't see Gary and Johnny all that much if hardly ever um, they it was like they were right back in the moment they were you know they could have been on the court again and as the interview went along uh, and we took it from like the beginning of the year all the way through to the national championship game. Um, they got more emotional as the interview progressed, uh, and by by the end, uh, you know, I was choking up <laughs> just just being a fan watching these guys talk and reminisce. So it was really special. And then when we went to put B-roll or or, or, or put the highlight package together, so as they talked you'll be able to see what they're talking about. Um, that was, you know, it just took us down memory lane and uh, is really terrific. And and now we've got Johnny and Gary who are going to do the live Q&A at the end of the night so that, uh, you know, uh, I think that, that ought to be special as well so fans will have a chance to, to talk to the coach and to the, uh, the voice of the Terps firsthand. And, um, you know, so we'll, ha- we'll have a really good time with that. So that show... Uh, I, I think it's just going to be outstanding. Uh, the the Matt Weeders, J.J. Hardy thing uh, 
where Rock Cabaco from Masson is the interviewer. He uh, he did a great job with that, and we go through the 2012 Orioles season, uh, which to me was uh, at least as good, if not better, than any other year in the Buck Showalter era because that's when they, they broke the 14-game losing streak and nobody saw it coming, and it was magical. You know, they, they did it. That's when Chris Davis, um, you know, pitched in the 16th and 17th innings right. in Boston and beat the Red Sox. Uh, you know, stuff like that, just incredible. You know, it, it, it's funny. You mentioned the Chris Davis um, two-inning relief appearance when he picked up that win. Mike, when I when that game came on, I had a date to play golf with my dad. So that game started when I started my round of golf with my with my dad. It was still going on when the round of golf ended, and I got home and got to watch the final three innings of the game. That's how long that game took. Because I got around the golf and then still watched about an hour's worth of baseball after the fact. It was a very, very cool day. A very, very cool season that, that sits in my heart and will for all of time. Because, it, like you said, nobody saw it coming. And it's just it's one of those things where it just brings back the warm, fuzzy memories of, oh my gosh, this has been 14 years of losing and now we finally have a team that we can root for and get back to the playoffs with. It was a very exciting time. I'm very excited for that. Now, on night three, you um, have an event. It's uh, Jack Fisher gave up the gave up Ted Williams' final home run and Roger Maris's 60th home run. How did Jack feel about being recognized in one of these events as somebody who gave up home runs for the Orioles? Um, he feels pretty good about it. Uh, you know, it made him an historic figure. And... Uh, you know, Jack, I think, had about a, a nine-year career in the bigs, and I think ended up with something like a 3.53 ERA, which, um, you know, by today would be incredible. He'd be making a lot of money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but back then, uh, most of your guys had ERAs in the threes so uh, or lower. Uh, so anyway, he was, he was an okay pitcher, and, um, uh, you know, but... The home runs that he gave up were two of the most historic in Major League history, for sure. And uh, so we actually went and interviewed him at his home uh, about 60 miles north of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, he, he was just terrific. And, and like so many of these athletes, they remember every pitch, you know, every, everything that they do in any game. And, and it's total recall. So he, he took us back into the moment. And, um, you know, I, I think that he was proud to have uh, participated in both of those events. Uh, Ted Williams playing had announced that he was retiring, so now he's in his last game ever at Fenway Park, comes up in the seventh inning, and, uh, you know, probably his last at bat, and it turned out to be, and he hits a home run. I mean, think it's just it's an amazing thing, and, you know, the fans went crazy. And then Maris, he's chasing... Uh, Babe Ruth's mark and uh, gives up the 60th, uh, you know, Jack gives up the 60th home run. The interesting thing about that is that uh, Major League Baseball's commissioner had determined that if Maris did not hit number 60 uh, uh, in the 100, by the 154th game of the year, which is what Ruth uh, had done mm-hmm. uh, when he broke it and did it in 27, if, if Maris hit the 60th home run in a game after 154, there would be an asterisk assigned to the record books. And that happened. Uh, now, it's since gone away. But, you know, so Jack Fisher gave up the asterisk home run. 
And, uh, of course, then Maris hit number 61 in the, in the last game of 1961. So, and he broke the record. But uh, all good. And Jack, uh, he said, well, I did something else, too. And I said, what was that? <laughs> and he said, I threw the first pitch ever at Shea Stadium. Really? So he, he went to the Mets. Uh, the Mets formed in 1962. And, by ni- and I think they played at the Polo Grounds. But it, by 1964, uh, they had built Shea, and they opened uh, Shea Stadium, and he was a starting pitcher for the Mets. Um, and then he told me something else that I had no idea. He said, to that point, when you were a starting pitcher, you warmed up in front of the dugout uh, on a flat surface, no mound, nothing. And that's where starting pitchers warmed up. Wow. On the first game at Shea, there was a there were a lot of people on the field for the ceremonies and you know VIPs and all that stuff, and Jack is warming in front of the dugout, and he said two guys just drifted right through his line of fire, and he almost decapitated both of them. <laughs> so he went to Casey Stengel, who was the manager, and he said, "Case, do you mind if I go to the bullpen to warm up before I kill somebody here?" And that's he became the first pitcher, starting pitcher, to warm up in the bullpen. Wow. And, and, of course, it caught on right away, and, and that's the way it is today. So, uh, anyway, Jack participated in, in a lot of good stuff, did a great interview, and so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how that one pans out uh, as well. Talk about an amazing career. Three pitches, and that guy's done more. He obviously threw more than three pitches, but really all it took was three pitches for him to have done more in his life than most people could ever dream of. And he was the founder, basically, of pitch, of warming up in the bullpen before a game. What an incredible career for Jack Fisher. That's that's impressive. Yeah, um, it, it's really good. Um, so, uh, you know, getting to uh, conduct those interviews, listen to the stories that they, that they told, uh, and then making... Uh, you know, virtual programming out of it, uh, applying B-roll and, you know, and, and looking for all that stuff. That's what uh, museum people do, history people, you know. You, you like to get in there and dig up stuff and, uh, and, and make something good out of it because ultimately all we, what we do at museums is we tell stories, you know. Yeah, uh, and I do want to apologize. I introduced you under the wrong title. I introduced you by your former title. You are the director emeritus and historian of the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum. All due respect to Sean Herney. My apologies there. No, now, that's I'm, I'm the old guy now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I just uh, I'm, I'm having fun uh, doing what I'm doing and and uh, staying involved with the museum. And uh, you know, hopefully, we're going to be. Uh, coming out of the pandemic and, uh, you know, fans are, will start coming back downtown to co- go to Oriole games and uh, we can turn the corner here and maybe get back to some normalcy uh, uh, in downtown Baltimore. That's the hope. Yeah, ho- hopefully sooner rather than later. Now, these programs are free to watch, uh, but if people want to see the live Q&A um, for each event, it's, it's $10, correct? And if they want to participate in the Q&A, it's 55 Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's ten dollars uh, if you want to you know dial in for like one of the three programs. Okay. It's Fifty five dollars for all three, so you've got that going on. And uh, there will be a silent auction that will launch on, on the first night and run beyond the programming. It'll run through uh, next Sunday, so you'll have an opportunity to bid on stuff like uh, Memorial Stadium chair signed by Lenny Moore and and uh, Boob Powell and. Jim Palmer or something like that. So 
you know, a lot of unique items, unique uh, t- through the museum for fans to bid on, and uh, to and, and and the proceeds benefit the museum, help us to continue with our mission um, to tell foster uh, local sports, tell stories, and. Uh, you know, keep Stan the fan busy. (laughs) (laughs) Stan's a pretty busy guy as it is. Michael, thanks so much for taking some time to tell us about a really cool celebration for the 28th annual Babe's Birthday Bash. It's been really fun reminiscing with you. I can't wait to tune in. Okay, man. Well, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for helping us promote uh, this this coming week. And um, look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. You have a great weekend. Take care. All right, buddy. All right, that was the Director Emeritus of the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum, Michael Gibbons, uh, joining us today to talk about the 28th Annual Babe's Birthday Bash and again, uh, reminiscing about the Maryland National title, the men's national title, because of course the women won one in 2006. Uh, Also reminiscing about the 2012 Orioles, a, a season that will forever last in my memories. Definitely. And then Jack Fisher, who had an incredible career and really all he needed to do was throw three pitches to have an incredible career so that's that's something that's pretty cool uh, and you guys can check that out starting this week every night uh each night tuesday wednesday and thursday this coming week the 22nd 23rd and 24th at 6 30 p.m we are going to catch our final break uh but before we do today's program is brought to you by press boxes glenn clark radio which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of baltimore sports you can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash press box online or facebook.com slash press box sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on itunes spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts you never know who might pop up on GCR? This week, the guys caught up with Super Bowl champion Rams running back and former Terp Jake Funk, the athletics prospects analyst Keith Law, and former world heavyweight champion Haseem Rahman. And for those interviews and more in the Glen, you can find you can find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. We got to catch a break when we come back. Sounding off is Zach Goodman and Orioles banter. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. 
CIAATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. There it is. There it is. Just let it ride, man. I'm letting it. Just let it ride. I'm letting it. Whew. Incredible. All right. Just want to remind you again, everybody, that the uh, CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is coming to Charm City this week. February 22nd through the 26th is an event that's become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments to uplift and strengthen the African-American community. You can see that excitement, Zachary Goodman, in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena, uh, which is being renovated, multi-million dollar renovation. It's, um, but it's cool that they're going to get mm-hmm. to play their their tournament there. Um, it's, the again, the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. You can get your tickets now at CIAATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. Uh, DJ Cool might be coming on the program this week on Glenn Clark Radio. Let okay. me clear my throat. The second string. You love to sing on the on the show all of a sudden. This is the second string. I do some singing on Glenn's show. You got to get some Paul McCartney going during during the uh, the week of the concert. You know. Hey Zach, don't make it bad. I hate your face. Okay, let's let's, <laughs> let's move on. This is already getting bad. Um, sounding off. Are we ready for it, bro? Let me host the show. No, you're not allowed. You're let, not. Let, I'll, I'm, let, I'm taking over, me, actually. Ladies and gentlemen, we now have brought to you today by Zachary Goodman himself, <laughs> sounding off it's, with it's Zach a, Goodman. It's, it's a good one this week. I, I got to talk about him. I love Juan Soto. You know Juan Soto is my favorite player. He's, he's up there with my all-time favorite players, but he is my current favorite player. Um, and it came out this week that the Nationals offered him 13 years, $350 million extension, and he turned it down. And Nationals fans are... I don't want to say understandably upset because I'm not sure they're under, understandably upset. I'll get to that in a second. But they're upset. They thought Juan Soto should have accepted this offer. And there are a lot of baseball fans who think Juan Soto should have accepted this offer. And and that's fair enough, I guess. Because did you see me get stuck on my chair there? I, I did see you I get stuck, st- yeah. totally stuck. He's <laughs> tree trunks for Juan legs. Soto wouldn't have gotten stuck. Um, <laughs> so Juan Soto turns down 13 years, 350. But look, Juan Soto right now is 23 years old. He's the best player in baseball. Arguably. And he's a guy that, if he has another great season, uh, which I would say he's poised to this year, could get anywhere from 
450 to 500 million dollars. I'm not sure why Juan Soto at this point in his career would already sign that extension for 350 knowing that he could get potentially much more later. Oh, he's going to get it's, he's, stupid money. Right, he's going to get 500 million dollars. So I don't really think this is a big deal. Juan Soto is not showing anybody that he doesn't want to be a national by turning down 350 million. He's just showing he wants to have more money, right? I mean, 500 million is an $150 million difference, and I think all of us can agree that Juan Soto should try to get that if he can. So this is probably, I, I, I don't know about the, the specifics of this because we don't know what goes on in the Nationals front office, but I'm going to make an assumption, a bold assumption here, that this is the first major extension offer the Nationals have made to Juan Soto, or at least the first reported one uh, that we've heard of. It's going to keep going up. Juan Soto puts up almost 1,000 OPS every year. OBP's well over 400. The guy walks more than he strikes out. Hits, you know, he's only gaining power and he's getting better. Uh, he's one of the best outfielders range-wise in baseball. The guy is incredible at everything he does. So he's going to get $500 million, and that's what he deserves. I wouldn't read... That's, that's... Every dime yeah. is guaranteed. Right. So what you're saying at... I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't I mean, think Trout so. Mike Trout got what four twenty six and a half. I think. Yeah, but four. for like thirteen years. Yeah, uh, and Juan Soto's only twenty three. So why not? If Juan's, let's say that he signed. Let's say he, he signed ten years, mm-hmm. four hundred twenty six million. That's forty two point six million a year. Yeah. I guess if any player is going to get fifty million a year, It'd be Juan Soto. It's going to be Juan Soto. I think we get more than I ten just, years though. I just I think that. The owners are trying to get away from paying players that much. That's one of the big sticking well, points of CBA maybe. right now. They don't want to pay players that much. I don't. I ten ten years seems low for me. For Juan well, so. yeah, ten years, ten, ten years is low. They yeah. signed him for probably 13, 14, maybe even yeah. fifteen years. I, I could legitimately see it being the first fifteen year contract, and I could sure. see it being for yeah. fifteen years. Fifty-two and a half million, so that he's right. so that he's getting thirty-five million a year. I could see that, but, but people are trying to read in between the lines here and say that Juan Soto doesn't want to be a national, and that a lot of people are speculating he's going to be a Met, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't know where that's why coming it, from. Well, that's why, like the, why, why the, does that not make a lot of sense? The, the, the Mets well, have, have in, more money than anybody. Sure, and their owner has more money than anybody, and Juan Soto makes sense for literally all thirty. But teams. why not be a national? Why not be a national for life? I mean, the Nationals are a winning franchise for the for the most of the time he's been there, except for this year. Obviously, they're entering a bit of a retool. New here. York, DC. New York, DC. I mean, who's won a World Series championship more recently? That's uh, okay. Mets haven't won since '86, and and and, and purple's a different color than blue. Uh, like, I mean, the Mets haven't won since '86, though. There's clearly and there's a lot of dysfunction going on in, in, in yeah, inside the New York Mets front office I, ownership. I don't well, know. Juan Soto. Why would Why would Bryce Harper sign with the Phillies? I don't. I'm still questioning that. Honestly, they haven't so, won anything. It, 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 literally, I think these guys want to win championships, but these guys want to get paid. Whoever gives him sure. the most money is who he's going to sign with. It's why Manny Machado signed with the Padres. Maybe I, I. I just think that they're going to do their best to lock him up, and if they offer him 500 million dollars, I would almost guarantee you Juan Soto would take that. Um, so I'm just saying. My point is, is maybe it's a message to Nationals fans more than anything. Do not be concerned. Juan Soto is. For the, uh, most, oh, I'd be concerned. Most... I don't think there's any chance he stays there. Really? I don't think he stays there. Wow. I, I, I disagree. I, I think he wants. I disagree. I think he wants a big contract and a big spotlight. And I think that he thinks that a big spotlight is somewhere other than DC. Okay. I, I don't. I think the Nationals. Uh, I think the Nationals want him, and I think that they're gonna. Uh, clearly, they want him. They mm-hmm. offered him 13 years, 350 million. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they want him. I just. 
I think that Juan Soto dreams of bigger than DC. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. I, you know, I, dis- I I would disagree. I think he's going to be there for a long, long time. That's my opinion. But, you know, Bryce Harper he's wasn't. A, he's mm-hmm. a guy that you got to lock up. And, 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 yeah. and in, in that aspect, because you didn't lock up Bryce Harper, yeah. I, okay, I get that. Yeah, I get it. And you don't want to make the same mistake twice. And they tried to lock up Bryce. Bryce Harper didn't really want to stay. No, he didn't. You yeah. know, um, well, what's weird to me though is this: is, is people say the Nationals are in a rebuild, and they're just not in the traditional rebuild that you see. Most their minor teams league in. system is absolute garbage. It's really bad. And not only that, it's just that they have Steven Strasburg on this roster right now, and they just locked him up for about seven years. So. With, if you have Steven Strasburg on your roster and you're paying him that kind of money, I don't really want to hear that you're rebuilding. I don't think that's true in this case. There, I, th- I think the Nationals are going through a retool that won't last very long. I think they'll be there for about two years, uh, you know, two down years, maybe maybe 2021, 2022, and be back in it in 2023 and, and back in the, the NL East race for the pennant. I, I honestly think that the Nationals are going to build around Juan Soto and Steven Strasburg and turn out another really, really good baseball team in a few years. And that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I think that their owner is a guy who wants to. He is. He wants to spend wants to money, win. wants to and yeah. wants to win. So. And Rizzo is a really good GM. Yeah. Really good GM. We'll we'll see. Well, uh, for Soto to sign, mm-hmm. I think he's going to need to see other pieces put in place. Yeah, but y- y- Strasburg y- is a great start. Th- th- there's no Scherzer. Right. There's no Harper. No Trey Turner. There's no Trey Turner. Yeah. There's no Rendon. Zimmerman just retired. Mm-hmm. Ben Boom, uh, no, Ben Boom, Key Boom isn't who you thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. At least not to this point. Yeah, where's the star power? It's Juan Soto and everybody else. Yeah, that's that's not that's not untrue. Um, but there are a lot of good players on that team, and, and some young players like, um, you know, like obviously Victor Robles, who's had sort of a down year. But Victor Robles is a very talented guy. He's easily a twenty home run, twenty stolen base guy if he can get it back going. And he was great his rookie year and great his second year. So guys like that, I think, and, and Lane one. Thomas is another one that's pretty exciting. And Josh Bell is a great player over at first base. They have some guys. Josh Bell's an okay player. He's an okay. He was mm. on a trajectory to be great. He's okay. All right, I'll he, give you he, that. He's okay. Victor Robles is a good is a good player. Some really solid players in that bullpen too. You got Kyle Finnegan. I mean, they they just I love they, Kyle Finnegan. I do too. Yeah. It's a it's a solid. Wish he was an Oriole. Yeah, I do. I, I do as well. Uh, but it, it's a solid, well rounded team that I think is more in a retool instead of a rebuild. I think they're going to win probably seventy games this year, which is which indicates more of a retool. Like if they were in a rebuild, they'd win fifty. I don't know, 55. man. They were. They. I'm going to have to see. I, okay, I, fair enough. I, I, we can disagree. Agree to disagree here. They. They. they I gotta. I, I'm not privy on their exact roster. Mm-hmm. I know what they lost, yeah. and I know how bad they were after they lost those players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't imagine them winning 70 games this year. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to look at the okay. roster, and we'll 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 talk about. Them. And we do a preview show. Sure. Here, uh, that's when I do all my research is for our preview. Looking forward to that one for our preview show. Yeah. I, it's probably it's probably my favorite show. Yeah, it's that cool. we do. I love the preview show. We'll, we'll do that uh, the week before opening day, which hopefully will be. March thirty first, um, but yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth. Then I just fair. Juan Soto is a guy who I think, like I said, I think his dreams are bigger than Washington D.C. Okay. So we'll we'll yeah. see. I wouldn't be sub- I'm not gonna say it. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up in in the spotlight for that. But his play already puts him in the spotlight. Definitely. Orioles banter. It's gonna be a short segment today. There's not a lot to banter about when it comes to the Orioles. They signed Ched Long to a minor league deal. He's a he's a second <laughs> baseman. He's got some light tower power. He, he he's, does. He's got some 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 good speed. Yep. 
he's never been a top 100 prospect. No. But he was a top prospect uh, for the Mariners, correct? Yep. Um, your thoughts on this signing? Does he get any kind of fair shake? Is he more minor league depth? I, Mike Elias came out and said uh, that he looks at him as more than just a, a, a depth piece. He thinks that yeah. th- this could be a potentially exciting player. Well, he's a versatile guy. Can move around infield, outfield, and, and play some different positions. And like you said, he's got certainly a toolsy player. Um, you look at it. Maybe sort of similar to, to a Jorge Mateo in the in the way that he's built and the, the makeup, but I, I like Jorge Mateo's makeup a lot more, and I think Mateo is definitely a toolsier player than than that of Shed Long. But Shed Long had a, a very successful rookie year with the Mariners. He surprised a lot of people and did well. Last two years haven't been so kind to him, but he's a guy that you look at, maybe able to turn it around and, and, and be a solid role player for the Orioles. I don't really think he's going to lock down a starting position, but... He throws in competition with him and and Rugnet Odor and and uh, and Gutierrez over at third base and of course Jorge Mateo as well. So he's a guy that could definitely make the roster in some kind of role. I just don't know what that role really is at this point. Maybe a utility guy plays center field once in a while when Mullins doesn't. That's kind of what I see in Shed Long at the moment. But I think the other thing about Shed Long is it kind of reminds me of of the Rugnet Odor situation because when Rugnet Odor was signed, we both were kind of like, huh, why, right? Because I mean. He's not a great player, and he hasn't been for a couple years, really since 2017. And he, you know, another guy with light tower power that isn't really much. So I would rather see Shed Long get the opportunity than Odor, in my in my personal opinion. But they gave Odor a major league contract, and, I, and when the Orioles give Odor, uh, when the Orioles give people major league contracts, they they start generally. It was a major league contract. It for was, Odor? yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a major league minimum. Yep. Huh. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because he's yeah. still getting paid by the Rangers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It kind of surprised me mm-hmm. when Dan Connolly said that Odor is going to be the starting second baseman. Uh, yeah, for, I wouldn't go that far yet because I, um, I, I and look, Dan knows more than we do. He he for sure knows more yeah. than we do. The, uh, he's very clearly very tuned in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pay to read his work, yeah. so he's very clearly tuned in. Um, I think Odor is going to play every day. I just don't think it's going to be at one certain position. I think you can move around to, to third and, sh- and uh, first, and even a little third. His bat has just taken such a downward turn. Oh, I know. Turn. Yeah, I know. I, I, uh, and. But We've the, seen how frustrating it can be to watch a guy hit 200 yeah. and every now and again hits hits the ball out of the ballpark, mm-hmm. but for the most part just strikes out a ton and doesn't get on base. Yeah, that, was, that was Michael Franco sure, la- last yeah. year. And I and, think it could be very similar. Uh, exactly. Uh, and you got rid of him. Like, wh- If you're looking for a, a renaissance for mm-hmm. Ruth Neto Dorr, and he's still young, he's 29 years old, but yeah. if, you, if you're looking for a, a renaissance for Ruth Neto Dorr, I just don't see it. No, I think there's more potential in what Shed Long could bring you in the long run. In the, no pun intended there. But I, I think Shed Long is a guy that you might as well give a shot to. Um, I got like a cat hair hanging off of my, I, I, hanging off my hat. I'm seeing like, you doing right these. right in my peripheral. Yeah. Bugging the crap out of me. A, a, another guy, you know, I talked about Mateo, but I'm, I'm big into Mateo. I, I love toolsy guys who just do everything well and that's what I feel about Jorge Mateo and he didn't you know he's had some injuries he hasn't gotten the playing time he needs but I believe I truly believe this with Mateo that if you give him the opportunity that he deserves uh he's going to be a better player than both Rugnet Odor and Shed Long and Kelvin Gutierrez and most of the guys that are are kind of these filler players in the Orioles roster right now I think I think Mateo ends up being the best one of them in the long term but you know I just think he's got to stay healthy and, and get the play do you time. honestly believe that Mateo is a is a future piece for this team not as a starter but as a role player possibly with you can look with a guy who's the fastest player in baseball you can really use him off the bench yeah it's just such a value everybody's just so high on Mateo and I'm not okay I, I, I like his speed mm-hmm 
I don't know how. I know he's he can play a bunch of different positions defensively. I don't know Only how good issue, his glove is. It, at, it isn't at, 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 right. And yeah. the bat, I haven't seen enough to think that the bat's going to play. So yeah. really, you're just talking about a guy. He's Jared Dyson to me. That's not a bad comparison. I think that you know much bigger than Jared Dyson. Though. He is. He is. He's, he's a well built guy. Um, but in center field, I think is probably his best position. And either the corners or center field. In the infield, he's had his struggles for sure. And in the minors coming up through, I watched him a lot, and there were definitely some interesting what you're doing over there. Um, I'm just. I feel like getting comfortable. Okay. Um, he had some defensive struggles at shortstop and second base, and we even saw them a few times at the Orioles. I think that's part of the reason that the Padres were so easy to move on with him because he just doesn't have a defensive prowess and a really. Well, and he was never going to play. And he was in, never going to play, in, in right? The, I mean, you have, you have Tatis, you have Manny Machado, you have an unbelievable amount of talent there. So it's you're right, Cronenworth. I mean, list goes on. But uh, Mateo is a guy that's just again very toolsy, and the upside of Mateo is far better than the upside of a guy like Kelvin Gutierrez or a guy like Rugnetto Dor at this point. That's my opinion. I don't know, man. I I look at okay. Kel- I look at. Uh, 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 I like Mateo. Don't don't get me wrong. I, mm-hmm. I I like Mateo. I look at a guy like Kelvin Gutierrez, and I'm higher on him than most people. Oh, are. I'm not at all. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm higher on him than most people are. I kind of see a little Jimmy Paredes in him. Well, that would be great if he were to be Jimmy Paredes. But I I think that you know the glove is great. It's the best glove the Orioles have had at third base since Manny Machado. That's for sure. But I look at the bat, and you look at the minor league numbers. There's just the minor league numbers weren't that good. They were maybe average at best. Some guys blossom later than others. That's true. And the bat looked good. It, it, lo- month, it, it looked good in the, it, for a month, but it looked good in Dominican Winter League also. It did. You know, lower uh, competition. Uh, uh, though, as well. How old is he? He's what? Twenty four. I think twenty six. Twenty six. I'll check that. So, some people. I mean, a year ago we were talking about Cedric Mullins being a fourth outfielder. You know what I mean? So uh, and he's twenty seven, and and that's not to, ooh twenty seven, and that's not to say that I think that he's not that he's gonna be. That's not to say that I think that Kelvin Gutierrez is gonna turn into the next Cedric Mullins. I'm not saying that at all. I just think that for an Orioles team that's not gonna go anywhere this year, he's a solid option for them at third base. Uh, I, and yeah, I get excited to watch him play because of what he can do defensively and what I think that he could potentially do. Offensively, I think that, like Dan said, I think the bat's further along than people think. Okay. I think he just needs the extended opportunity. Once he got the extended opportunity with the Orioles, he he hit. Uh, if he, thirty-one games is a small sample size, mm-hmm. but it's also not. It's a whole. It's a month. The guy hit for a full month at the major league level. I'm willing against teams who are in a playoff hunt. I'm willing to look at this guy and say, give him a, give him the first half of the season and see what he can do. I I I think he can be better than what Michael Franco was, and Michael Franco was here till low, August. Low bar, <laughs> but, but that guy was here till August. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's no reason that Gutierrez can't stick at third base while we wait for somebody else to come up. Now somebody else that we talked about with Keith Law, mm-hmm. and what Keith Law said to me said said to us said to Glenn uh, on the show yesterday or Thursday it was kind of eye opening for me, and it was about Joey Ortiz. Yeah, I heard it, and he said. That Joey Ortiz coming out of the draft, he was he was an aluminum back guy, and that's mm-hmm. where all the power came from. But yeah. and he wasn't high on him. And then he went and he watched him last year or the year last year, and he said he completely changed his swing and looked like a completely different player. Mm-hmm. And he said that based on the way he hit last year and the defense that he can play, he would have put he 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 would say that he thinks he'd be a top one hundred prospect by this time next year, if he didn't believe that Joey Ortiz is going to graduate this year 
and be the Orioles' starting shortstop the last half of the year. Respectfully, Keith, I disagree. Um, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of Ortiz. I When I worked at Aberdeen, I saw uh, quite a bit, and he has changed his swing. I was actually at the same game as Keith Law because I was talking to him at that game. Um, he, he's talking about I'm sure one. that Keith Law has been to more than just one game. Well, I'm sure he Ortiz has. I'm there. sure he has. But we, we were both at one uh, of the Wilmington Blue Claws up in Delaware uh, where the it was I believe it was, it was minor league opening day. Uh, and Joey Ortiz didn't play very long. That's the thing. He got injured pretty early in the year, and that's one of the games that Keith Law and I both saw because I, I was talking to him there. Um, and Ortiz definitely has a better swing than he did. And the glove has always been Ortiz's thing for me. That, that's his best tool because the guy is the quickest hands you will find in the entire minor league system. It's insanely quick hands. The guy just, the, the, the ball to, to glove transfer is incredible. Um, so you look at a guy who has defensive prowess like that and it's, it's really good and he has good range. The arm's good. He's probably going to stick it short. I would agree with that. The bat for me, I just haven't seen any sort of, of, uh, long-term value for it. I'd probably put like a 40 on his bat long-term. Uh, we're talking 20 to 80. I, I'd put a 40 on it long-term. I just don't see his bat becoming anything. And I, you know, maybe he's a, a good starting defensive shortstop somewhere, but that would be it. I just don't see it going much past that. Um, and I, you know, I think, uh, I think Keith Law, you know, worked for the Blue Jays for a long time. He knows what he's doing. I, I respect his opinion. I just disagree with this one. I haven't seen enough of Joey Ortiz to know one way or the other, but I think it's interesting that a guy like Keith Law, who is respected, he yeah. may not be respected in Baltimore, and he actually made a comment about that on the show. <laughs> he? He's like, a lot of people don't really like me in Baltimore. No, I mean, he's got he's completely got a right to his opinion, and yeah. he's a guy who's worked for major league teams. So yeah. and, clearly and he has a, guy, a good one. And I trust his opinion. I I, I, I trust what he says. I, I'm not, I, I may be with you. I'm not necessarily sure that Joey Ortiz is ready for a big league role yeah. for the last half of this year. I think it really depends on... On how he starts a year and what the Orioles do in free agency once they're allowed to do anything in free agency. Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting, to say the least, that he's one of these shortstops in the Orioles minor league system he said is right yeah. now. Okay. I mean, it, it's a fair argument, I guess. Um, I just don't really... And the glove, I believe, is ready. I think the glove could definitely play. Uh, but I, the bat, I'm just going to need to see more. Yeah, And I feel like people are kind of falling off a little bit on Jordan Westberg. I feel like yeah. the talk has kind of died down on him a little bit. I think it's easy well, to forget uh, how good he was this past year. Sure. I mean, it's probably because we're not coming off a year where he was just drafted. I think yeah. that's probably the reason. Yeah. But it's it, people are talking about Kobe Mayo, and they're talking about Gunnar Henderson, and they're talking about Joey Ortiz, and it's like kind mm-hmm. of Jordan Westberg had a better year than all those guys. Yeah. You know, and no, nobody's talking about him. I I, I Although Dan Conley did say he could be in the mix for third base at some point this year, not clearly not coming out of coming out for opening day, but I think Joey, or, uh, I'm sorry, Jordan Westberg is going to have a lot to say about this before yeah. it's all said and done. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. So all right, trivia. <laughs> Let's get to some trivia here. Close the computer for the fairness. All right, Juan Soto walked 145 times okay. in 2021. It is the second most walks in Major League history by a player age 22 or younger, oh. trailing only Ted Williams, who walked 147 times in his age okay. 22 season. Juan Soto also being 22 when he walked 145 yeah. times. Not quite to the level of these next five guys who all walked 150 times or more in a season, accomplishing the feat 11 times. I'm only going to make you give me four. Okay. Because one of these guys 
there's no freaking way you were going to get this guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, this is going to be hard. Eddie Yost mm, in yeah, 1956 I, no. walked 151 times. I know you weren't going to get him. Right? Wow, this is a really... Who are the other four players to walk 150 times or more in a season? I mean, I guess the obvious guess is Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. He accomplished the feat yeah. one, two, three, four, four times. Okay. He accomplished the feat, including the top three at 232 in 2004, 198 in 2002, and 177 in 2001. Okay. So you have one down. Uh, You know, I, I'm trying to think of guys that were up this early in their career because there weren't many. No, they, they, um, no, no, they, they don't have to be 22. Oh, they were. Okay, okay. No, that they, changes they don't have a lot. To, they don't have to be tw- And Barry Bonds certainly wasn't 22. I was going to say, I was, I, all right. no, 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 <laughs> I was a little I, surprised. I, I, like, I gave you a tidbit, and now I'm okay. asking you a trivia okay. question. Gotcha. Uh, guys who walked that many times. Uh, Lou Gehrig? No. Uh, I'll stay with the same team. DiMaggio? No. Um, hmm. I'm <laughs> looking at steroid guys. You've got some, some options there. Uh, Manny Ramirez? No. <laughs> this is kind of hard. Um, it's really not that hard. Man. Paul Molitor? Paul I don't know. Molitor? I don't no. know. I'm throwing out guesses. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be it could be hard. Uh, Ichiro? No. <laughs> You're talking about guys um, who get 250 hits in a season. Well, they're they're walk not walking plenty. 150 times. Oh, Their own base percentage would be yeah, 900. Fair. Okay. I'm um, looking at guys up in the 500s on base percentage, 400 top 400s. Um, can you give me some of the are, are some of these guys like older, more recent? Nobody within the last 20 years. Okay, so that leaves the steroid era kind of open then, for the most part, in the late 90s. There, um, McGuire, Mark McGuire. There it is. 162 walks in okay. 1998. You okay. have two guys left, and I'm actually, I'm actually very surprised that you guessed Mark McGuire and Paul Molitor. Be- <laughs> be- I don't know. I'm before, just guessing before these two guys. Uh, I'm shocked. Actually, you're making them sound. Is it A Rod? No. You know I like A Rod, <laughs> so I just threw A-Rod. that one out there. Um, so these guys are like. That well known that I I know them yeah. and I I love them like I I don't I, know if you love them but you should if you don't know them you're not a baseball fan well I know who they are I'm sure Hank Aaron no all right <laughs> I don't know um this you have been letting me down on these trivia it's you, so open ended I mean there's but, so many players that have played major league baseball but you, there's I, only five who have walked 150 times or more in a season it's only I, been happened 11 just, times I, look it, you crushed. The triple somehow you crushed the triple yeah. crown question, and you really just put yourself at this level where I was yeah, like I, that. Now when you don't crush, I'm like, but this isn't even expecting too much. This is like when Glenn tried to get me to guess the name Mike Tyson and I couldn't <laughs> guess. It. <laughs> well, I didn't see that. Um, or I mean, guys that walk that many times. I mean, it's it's there's so many guys that played Major League Baseball. It's hard to know. Um, or these like, guys are legends. Babe Ruth? Babe freaking Ruth. Who? Like, how do you not guess Babe Ruth? I don't know. It's just... Babe Ruth, 170 170 walks in 1923. And Babe Ruth, 150 walks in 1920. Babe Ruth has the second highest on-base percentage of all time. You are right in that. But the reason I didn't guess that originally is because it's just such a different game. I didn't know how many times he walked. I really had no idea. Anyway, uh, so Babe Ruth is down. We have one more to go. One more to go. Also a legend. 
We talked about him in the program today. We did. Okay. Uh, we talked about a lot of guys in the program today. Um, man, I'm guessing it's kind of old too. Then I just have a feeling it's maybe it's a little older. If he's a legend of the game and it hasn't happened, well, in the last and, one, and, yeah. and, the, and the most recent was 2004. Mm-hmm. And that was a guy you already guessed. That was Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, yeah. He's a legend of the game, and so yes, he's older. Okay. Um, I'll give you another hint. He's dead. <laughs> okay. That's not a huge help, but I, you, I, you already said Ted Williams. I can't guess that, right? Because he's number one. I never said Ted Williams. Ted Williams isn't number one, and you can guess that. It okay, so Ted, Ted Williams is my guess. It is Ted okay. Williams. We're, we're, I, I swear you said Ted Williams was was number one for the guy who's like walked. I don't, yes, I don't, maybe I misunderstood he, your question. He's number one. That was the tidbit. You were putting too much emphasis okay, okay. on the tidbit. So Ted Williams. <laughs> so, so Juan Soto. Okay. Uh, l- let me read this to you again. Mm-hmm. All right. Juan Soto walked 140 times in 2021. Yeah. It is the second most walks in MLB history by a player aged 22 or younger, trailing only Ted Williams, who walked 147 times in his age 22 okay. season. Yeah. So that's five, why that's why I didn't guess it because his name isn't the thing. Five players in Major League history have walked 150 times or more in a season, accomplishing the feat 11 times in total. Who are they? I never said they had to be 22. And I never said that Ted Williams was number one. All right. Well, I I, I misunderstood the question then, but we got it. We're we're, we're all good. <laughs> we we got <laughs> it was a, it was a butcher trivia by by yours truly, but it's, folks, it's okay. We got it. We got it. Finally, it took <laughs> it took me long enough, but we got it. We we got it. All right. I didn't know Ted Williams was like part of the thing. I just figured that you already said his name, so I just didn't guess. That's but kind of what I, I guess is I, I didn't expect it to throw you that much. But it's kind of I didn't either. To throw to be you, fair. but I didn't expect it to throw you that much. The fact that Paul Molitor came out of your mouth before, <laughs> I you know what? I'm, I'm a gonna, Paul Molitor fan. What can I say? I like he, he probably barely walked. Like I, I'm just misremembering hey, my baseball hey, history. Paul Molitor is Derek Jeter if Derek Jeter played in Kansas City. You know what I mean? That, okay. Never heard anyone say that before, but that's okay. Makes sense. I say it all the time. Did he walk that much? Like, was, was it was it close? At least? I'm, I'm I'm looking it up. The most walked, not even remotely oh, all right. close. Well, his career high in walks, which he accomplished twice, was 77. I, I remember Paul Molitor for having really good plate discipline for some reason. Like that's one of the things that comes to my mind. Well, he had 3,319 hits, and he yeah. had, he had uh, one, two, three, four, two hundred hit seasons. Okay. Which, right. wow. Surprisingly enough, three of them came after his age 34 season. Hmm. That's interesting. A, hmm. Paul Molitoroids. <laughs> I'm just Hopefully kidding. not. I'm just kidding. Paul Molitor was never that never no. had that, that body type. But getting back to the whole Derek Jeter thing, people put Derek Jeter on a freaking pedestal. The fact that he is rated higher mm. as a baseball player than Cal Ripken, even though Cal Ripken's war is about 30 points higher, is a travesty. Yeah. And the only reason is because he won four championships and he played in New York. Right. But he didn't win four championships. He won. He played on a team that won four championships. Sure. Team game. If and they talk about the legends of the game, and Derek Jeter is like in those commercials. It's like Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter. And it's like <laughs> not quite the same. No, no. Derek Jeter is a very good, damn good baseball player. He is a Hall of Fame baseball player. One of the better hitters, contact hitters that we've ever seen. Yeah. Lots of singles. Fair amount of doubles. But lots of singles. If Derek Jeter played in any other market aside from Chicago or LA, and even if Chicago, you could even make the argument he could have played in Chicago and not had the prominence, mm-hmm. he's Paul Molitor. 
Derek Jeter plays anywhere else in his career, if he plays in Kansas City or Minnesota or Florida or he plays in Baltimore um, or if he plays in Arizona, Derek Jeter is Paul Molitor, a very good player who has a ton of hits and gets into the Hall of Fame, but that's it. How often are people talking about Paul Molitor? Me, apparently. Uh, uh, Just me. Just Just guessing that that he had three times as many walks as he ever did in one season. (laughs) Guess Um, I was wrong, quite wrong. Or twice as many, excuse me. But the the point is, you said you've never... I say this all the time. Derek Jeter is Paul Molitor, but he played in New York. No, it's it's true. (laughs) It's true. It is. And people are like, oh, he's he's the best shortstop ever. The hell he isn't. I mean, the hell he is. Come, Come to Baltimore and look up Cal Ripken. Just, just look up Cal Ripken and the people that, the people that make the argument, oh, Cal Ripken wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer if he hadn't played in two thousand six hundred thirty. Get the hell you are! You don't know baseball. No, you, you don't you, know you, baseball. You've, ne- you've never watched a baseball game. If you yeah, think that's if, true, if you think that that's true, if no. you think that the only reason that Cal Ripken got three thousand hits and four hundred home runs is because of his consecutive game streak, Brooks Robinson played more games than Cal Ripken yeah. did, yep. and his numbers are far less, and he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. And, and Cal won two MVPs, two Gold Gloves. Yeah. Bunch of silver sluggers. He is the he is up there. It's like him and Honus Wagner as the greatest shortstops of all time. Yeah, I, I, and then somewhere like like three tiers down is Derek Jeter. Yeah, I'd put Ernie Banks in that conversation right yeah. up there with Ripken and, and yeah. Honus too. But yeah, but, I agree. Uh, the, the the New York bias is so ridiculous. I don't know how we got onto this. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, me mentioning Paul Molitor, apparently. Uh, Paul freaking Molitor, man. <laughs> uh, more more walks than Babe Ruth and Ted um, Williams. Get out of here. I look. I don't know. My brain was in some weird spots during that trivia. So I, I got at least I got McGuire. That was that was a good one. I didn't expect you to get McGuire. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't get Eddie Yost. You know, I was going to guess Miguel Cabrera until he told me that he it wasn't really recent. But Miguel Cabrera, I believe, walked quite a bit in his maybe yeah, in his um, triple crown seasons. He's he's going to be walking like fifty times per year, probably. I'm, 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 my information's way off. I don't no, know. No, I'm sure that he's. I feel like Miguel got quite a lot of walks early in the 2010s, 2012, man, he, 2013. He's, he's just like. Barely hanging on to his career. He still had a good year last year, though, relatively. I mean, he slashed 256, 316, 386. Not too bad. 15 homers, 75 RBIs, but it was his best year since 2016. Yeah. But it's a pretty average year. But yeah. the Tigers are going to be probably better this year, so maybe we see him, you know, have a little bit of a, a, a his best year yet. Miguel Cabrera has, has only walked. 90 times or more twice okay. in his career. 90 times in 12 2013 and 13. Yeah. And 108 times in 2011. In 2012, oh, okay. he only in, in in 2012 is um triple crown year. Yeah. He only walked 66 times. Wow. But he hmm. had 330 with 44 bombs, 139 <laughs> RBIs. Yeah, he, he also had 205 hits. So pretty incredible player. Yeah, he definitely. The, Walking doesn't make you the best player in a game. No, you know what I mean. But it it, it helps. The, the the guys that walk money that ball much, would argue differently. Yeah, the the it, they wouldn't sit there and tell you Kevin Euclid was the best player in the game. <laughs> but he's no. he was one of the more valuable players. But yeah. that more valuable doesn't necessarily mean best. It doesn't sure, mean of course, more skilled yeah. or talented. Barry Bonds is that that guy who could do it all. But yeah. I digress. All right, somehow this happened. Um, good show, man. A lot of fun. It was a good show. It, I, I, I still believe I have a library to do here. Let me, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay bill. Let me do, okay. Pay bill. Uh, the newest edition of Pressbox is available now on the cover. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland Men's Basketball 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship as Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of the NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. 
Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive moments that ultimately led to them cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Excellent job. Excellent job. Did you see this stuff about Pat Mahomes telling his his I did. And fiance then say yeah. his brother that they can't come to games next year? <laughs> I did So see that. I do believe... I do believe in my heart of hearts that he had a conversation with them and was like, "Cut the crap." Yeah, I I, I believe well, it's that, getting a little ridiculous. I believe that that happened, and there's even the video of uh, him sitting courtside with with her at a basketball yep. game, and she turns to her friend, and she's like, "Patrick told me I have to get rid of the resting bitch face," uh, uh, and then she like smiles and all that. Uh, so I do believe that a conversation was had, like, mm-hmm. "You guys gotta chill." Yeah. I don't believe for one second that he told his soon-to-be wife and his brother, you can't come to my games. No. There's no way he did that. There's no way. There's no way he said that. But I guarantee you he did say, your antics are becoming a distraction and you're, be- you're becoming bad for my brand. you got to chill. Yeah, sure. That, that, there's no way that conversation hasn't happened. I mean, the stuff that we saw them doing last year was a little bit over the top. It was ridiculous. Over the top. And, and, and nobody would know... Who either of these people are? If they weren't doing it, it w- without Patrick Mahomes. Well, that too. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, like, like hitch yourself to his wagon, whatever. But like, she's a personal trainer, mm-hmm. and apparently they do a lot, they do a lot of good for the community. I don't think she's a terrible person. I think she's just super annoying. Jackson I Mahomes does nothing. He does nothing. He 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 makes TikTok videos. He does nothing. <laughs> Uh, maybe he has a job at like Rite Aid or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Walking your KC local Rite Aid and you but, see uh, Jackson Mahomes, but dancing on the uh, on the medical counter. Uh, if he has a freedom to be on TikTok all the freaking time, I I imagine he doesn't do much outside of you know ride his brother's coattails. God, if I had a brother like that, man, I, I, I <laughs> like I'd be like, dude, stop embarrassing me. Like I love you, but stop. Yeah, no, I, I, it's getting a little weird at yeah. this point. Some it, of the stuff yeah. that was done last year, the Sean Taylor thing, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed everybody the wrong um, way. But, yeah, but I, the whole way that the, that that the Washington football team or the Commanders, whatever you want to call them now, the whole way they handled the that mm-hmm. it was basically to distract from a lawsuit. Yeah, and it was put together in the in at the last minute. Yeah, that was crap. That was an absolute crap uh, memorial for for Sean Taylor. I think they're going to do something better Hopefully. this coming year. I think I heard that they're going to do something like that. Commanders are a mess. Yeah. Well, I think Dan Snyder is on his way out. I honestly Well, do. there's a big big uh, lawsuit going on right now that's interesting. And, and there's and, an investigation, and yeah. he was originally going to head up his own investigation, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That whoa, makes whoa. so much sense. Yeah, we're, we're not going to let you do that. Um, so now they have a woman, a, a female senator, I believe, is coming good. in, Mary yeah. Jo something or other. Uh, and, and good, because I believe that she'll get to the bottom of this. And I think that Dan Snyder could be put, could be forced out by the ownership by by the owners in the National yeah. Football League. I think that that could be something coming around the bend. Sure. Oh, Bob Saget. <laughs> that was uh, coming around the bend. It's from no, the, I, I, the, the theme song. Did yeah. you hear? About this, about Bob Saget, I did hear about it. Uh, yeah, it, the like a thirty foot fall is basically, yeah. and he what, didn't like realize the severity of it at the time. Crazy. He no, he didn't fall. Th- and he may have fallen thirty feet. They don't know how he got the blunt force trauma, but the blunt force trauma is akin to a fall. Oh, that's what it was of, okay. of thirty feet. Okay, or if somebody like came up behind him and him in the back of the head with a baseball bat. Wow. Uh, and there's so. I'm wondering, did, and they speculated about this on ninety eight rock. Did he fall off a balcony? 
and hit his head, and then get up and and disoriented and delirious, go to bed, and then just anyway. That's not baseball or sports related. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning into the batter round. Special thanks to our guest, Stan the Fan, Charles, um, Michael Gibbons from the. Uh, Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum, and Dan Connolly of The Athletic. Uh, special thanks out to them. Special thanks to Zach Goodman, my host. Thank you so or my host, my co-host and my producer. Thanks so much for all that you do for us. Guys, hopefully we'll have better news for you next week. Until then, see ya!